0: Welcome to the Fly Life Podcast. I'm your host, Martin Novak, and let's have a conversation with FPV. And I'm back. Sorry about a two-week break, guys. Thought it was only going to be a week, but couldn't get an episode lined up in time after the Europe trip. And so here we are. Uh, for this week, I have Jordan Temkin on, a.k.a. Jet. He's a friend of mine, he's a two-time DRL champion, he used to live like an hour from my house, all around night sky, and uh, probably the best radio voice I'll have on the show in its entirety. So, really great episode, we talked about moving uh, Pacific to the Pacific Northwest, flying in DRL, freestyle, why he flies in the mountains so much, his new frame company, Project 399, and uh, yeah, just the usual FPV banter and a uh, bit extra. Hope you guys enjoy it, and I will be back next week on schedule. No more breaks for a while. Thanks for listening. About two hours of bathroom break, slash beer break, in between.
1: Way ahead of you. Yeah.
0: What's <laughs> new, man? How the fuck is life outside of Colorado?
1: Can, oh the, it's the different, northwest. man. Yeah, it's different. Like I was just thinking the other day how nice it was having that backyard, you know, and having space.
0: That was sick. I, mean, I never went to your guys' house and I don't know your current living situation, but you had like a pretty like you guys all posted edits from like I felt like the whole community lived there for a while.
1: Well, dude, but I mean, even where you live, like, there's room. Like, you got a backyard there. You know, there's like, I'm in the city now. Like, if we were to point that webcam, the skyline is right there. Yeah. Um, so, like, I can't go and just, like, rip around the park down the street because there's 30 kids and their parents and a bunch of dogs. You know, and, like, I'm in the city now. Um, so it's a little different.
0: And are, like uh, – because you're in Seattle, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Are, are there strict drone laws there? Is it, like, L.A. and stuff where you just, like, can't fly in the city at all? Or is it more of just, like, population um, density and FPV doesn't mesh with that?
1: Right. Uh, well, you can't fly in the city parks. Okay. Um, but the same goes for, like, Denver or, like, any mm-hmm. city ever. Um or most towns even. I know Fort Collins we weren't allowed to fly in the parks legally.
0: Yeah, Fort Collins leaking. does not allow it.
1: Right. But Longmont does allow it.
0: Yeah, Longmont sure does. Yeah,
1: yeah it does. <laughs> yeah. Uh but yeah, I mean it's no there's no like like uh airspace restrictions like there are in LA. Um or like DC or something. But the airport is pretty close. So, like, the airspace for the airport does, like, push into the city a bit. Yeah. Um, where I am, like, you're within the... Like, if you're a hobbyist, you're technically not supposed to be flying if you're following the five-mile rule. But because I'm part 107, legally, I am actually allowed to fly in the... Ser- you know, it's one of those, like... But yeah. I don't because I'm in the city.
0: Well, and you can't least. really... Yeah, like... Maybe like a test hover or like a quick maiden, but you're not going to like get a session in.
1: No, because it's there could just be someone walking around the corner at any second. Yeah. You could fly like a tiny whoop or like, you know, like a little two or three inch. You could do that, no problem. Have Um, you, uh,
0: have you embraced and like, I guess a tiny whoop would be an answer to that, but I was going to say, have you like embraced any part of being in the city? Because there's definitely like drawbacks like that, but there's also crazy shit you could fly.
1: As opposed to Bill no. Collins. Yeah. No, I I s I don't like flying around people, man. Like it's I don't enjoy it, so I don't. Yeah. Um I do dream of one day having like everyone vanish from the city. I mean, as every every V pilot does. Like your uh, one like
0: and, one of your three genie wishes kind of thing.
1: Yeah, man. Like uh like what's the I am legend. Yeah. Mm hmm. Worst yeah, case, best case. So cool. At least yeah. I
0: started FPV.
1: <laughs> but I might die at any second.
0: Yeah. It'd be tough, though. Be, I mean, the flying part would be sick, but, you know, you'd share that post and be like, oh, just that other dude. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that one other guy who's yeah. still alive in, like, China or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would be crazy. Yeah, yeah would FPV be the same if we weren't creating content for other people.
0: I don't think it would be the same. I think it would still exist, but uh, it would not be what it is today. No way. Like, if you had to go watch someone FPV somewhere, it wouldn't be as cool as, like, watching someone hit a super pipe on a snowboard.
1: Right, right. Yeah, yeah, just being able to have the Internet as this intertwining web of all of humanity. Yeah, it helps a bit, don't it?
0: It it helps a lot. It's weird, too, because I feel like FPV is one of the first things created after, like, the age of the Internet. That's, like, this multifaceted thing. You know, it's, like, competitive, creative. It's kind of like a spawn of the Internet in a way, like how it was shared. And, like, what do we all talk about? The the French guys in the woods. So how Mm -hmm. do we all see that on the Internet and, you know, all of it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, like, if FPV started 30 years ago.
0: Yeah, or even, like, For some reason,
1: the technology, yeah, if the technology existed for drones, but for some weird reason, the internet still didn't exist.
0: Yo, Jordan's on AIM right now. It's a new era.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. Like, I don't think you would be, well, so does that mean we'd have huge, like, text documents? Like, you do, like, car manuals? You know the big fucking oh, like a binders. book on like, yeah. like the hobby yeah, stack. Like how, yeah, how to fix the the TBS Oblivion, and it'd be like a seven hundred page document.
0: It'd be crazy, right? Because it would be so less stimulating in terms of that sense, but it would be, there'd be a whole other industry around that that like doesn't yeah. exist now. It's basically RC groups online,
1: right? <laughs> and like, but it'd be by book.
0: Yeah, you don't have to, like, buy a book and, like, be like, oh, I really want to get, like, you know, so-and-so's book on, like, pit tuning. I hear it's a good one. Chicken soup for the oh, that's... pit tuning gyro. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, we're getting off. We're getting, like, so tangented here. In the, oh, in man, the first dude. 10 minutes. Good stuff. Yeah, good yeah. stuff, good stuff. Yeah. Not even, man. Like, this call is how many minutes long?
0: Nine minutes and nine seconds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's sick, though. I mean, Seattle's dope. The Pacific Northwest is dope. And based off of your recent flying footage, it's been pretty, pretty
1: good. Mm-hmm. Pretty, 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 Almost pretty good lost in the
0: clouds, but ended up being
1: epic. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I never answered your actual question of like what are the benefits of being in the city?
0: Oh yeah, or have you like you right. know taken advantage think. of that?
1: Yeah. Um I think for me it's proximity to other people is a huge part of it, right? Like so now instead of being like you're down in Longmont which is fucking 30 miles away. Yeah. From Fort Collins like you know, I got buddies who are just down the block kind of thing, right? Because there's so much more population density. Um, there's a lot more people in close proximity yep. that you can, like, go you know, meet up or fly or whatever with. So that that's pretty rad. Um, and I think just opportunity for me in terms of, like, tech. Well, like, because I'm on TV and stuff, like, having more media opportunity, being in a city. I think that's a huge part of it, too, is, like, I have access to more publications and more, you know, there's just more people, not just in our industry, but...
0: Yeah, just cross-pollinate it all.
1: Right, right, right. There's just more people to work with.
0: That makes sense. And it's definitely, you know, I think most people would trade, like, easy fun flying that's, like, like, easy access fun flying for, like, longevity and... Making connections right. and, you know, getting paid for your skill and, like, making a career out of it.
1: Right. Yeah, but, I mean, then I still do have super-duper awesome mountains, as you've probably seen. Yeah, how far of a drive think, is that for you? Uh, it's, like, 30 minutes if you're driving like an asshole. Um, it's, like, an hour... Depen- it like you know it depends on if you yeah. hit all the red lights on the way out of the city like half of it's just like getting out of the city and onto the highway um but yeah I mean it's close so for me back in Fort Collins it took me 20 minutes to get to like the Poudre Canyon right which is where I used to fly a bunch and then it's like another 15 minutes so it's still like 35 45 minutes to get to flying in and the you mountains can have a and shit it's a
0: traffic day up there too
1: right and this is I mean Nothing compared to out here, um, just because you know city, uh, and it's like all old streets. So yeah. where I five and I ninety meet is actually like a five lane highway goes down to like a two lane highway, and there's a ch- there's all these terrible bottlenecks. But yeah, I mean I can still get to places who, that are really close, close ish, um, that are really rad to explore.
0: Yeah, I feel. I mean, anything within an hour is probably, you know, if you're hitting mm-hmm. like that, you're not like just going to a park test session, like some slightly different trees. Like it's pretty, right? Epic open territory. It's more of you know, right. you're probably out there for a bit. You're not just like, oh, I'm gonna go burn a quick three packs and then like head off to my next thing. You're like, this is an event.
1: Right. Yeah. It's a full day or a full end of the you know half end of the half of the day. Man, that's it can say that one. Oh, um, uh, but,
0: you, you still waking up at like 2 or what?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 7.45 and I'm still waking up. Yeah, Dude, I'm, I'm always waking up constantly. Yeah,
0: uh, every time we hung out with you guys, it was like, yeah, they're going to be up here at 11 and then we'd be like, no, I just woke up, alright, let's just get lunch and then they'll be here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the usual. I'm actually, I'm like much better now, like I live with my girlfriend here and you know, she keeps me more sane in the human realm of things, right? Like, she's like, Jordan, it's 11, wake up. Yeah. You got to do something. So, so that's good. Or else I'd just be staying up till 5 a.m. like I used to when I lived, you know, with the bros.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that must have been a crazy time, living with the bros, <laughs> just, like, on the wave of the FPV world.
1: Yeah man. It it was really, really fun. But I also like am very much enjoying the structure. Yeah, like you know being a couple and like having my own apartment with her and like, you know, we cook dinner together and that kind of stuff. Like normal people th- or like we went to go see a comedy show, you know, like normal people things.
0: Yeah, it's like instead it's, it's of the like one hundred
1: percent FPV. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I went to the, like, for a while, my kitchen table was just a constant quad build, you know? Right. And I still love FPV, and I do it all the time, but it's not as, like, it's not as novel, and I enjoy it for slightly different reasons now than I used to. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. I still, like, am so deep into it, as I always have been, but it's definitely nice to have something else, like, break up not the monotony but break up just the you know it's having a normal life outside of FPV like it's it was fun to be so obsessed
0: which it also i think it benefited you in a huge way like into like yeah. of all the years you could have been hyper obsessed about something that really right. was a good pedestal for where you are today yeah.
1: and it was a good timing like as FPV was starting and like it really let me break into all of it because i had all the time in the world. Yeah. Um, and I mean, not saying that it's any different now, except for that I give my girlfriend time to, <laughs> um, in addition to FPV. But I mean, like it's, I mean, if you look at my desk here, it's, it's still like drone stuff everywhere. The usual. Bridge, the usual. Yeah. Yeah. And like this shelf behind me that takes up a majority of our living room is like all my drone parts and like chargers and, so, there's, you know, it's baby steps. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, yeah. I feel like it, I mean, just from this point of view, your apartment looks a lot more furnished. Even let's just start there. Compared right. To the old there's one. like a
1: couch and a coffee table and like lamps.
0: Yeah. The other one, right? you're, you're the, the bro pad was like, "Yo, sick!" Like <laughs> eight chargers on the ground.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, oh, you guys have a table that's just for props.
0: Well, this is a yeah. third room with only one piece of furniture.
1: <laughs> or, like, my bed is not on the floor. It's up in the, you know, it's a few feet off the ground.
0: I have two layers of sheets and a comforter.
1: I do my laundry regularly. Yeah, you know, normal life things.
0: Yeah, um... Did you, like, were you on the brink of normal life things before FPV started and then it just, like, took a few steps back? Or were you, like, living the bro life without FPV back then? Uh, kind of both. Okay.
1: Um, well, for me, like, I had, I was just starting a pretty awesome art career mm-hmm. um, where I had just got accepted and had a couple showings at some galleries.
0: And what kind of, um, like, what kind of art?
1: Uh, 3D printed photography art. So it's, so nowadays it's really popular. You can like just throw an STL up or a photo and it will like give you an STL. But it was, I was kind of making, uh, lithopane sort of stuff with photography or with photos. Lithopanes are, it's like varying the thickness of a material to have light come through it at Uh, different. brightnesses to create an image. Um, So I was doing that uh, with photos back in like 2013-ish. So like still when like 3D printers were just beginning also. Um, And so I I was doing that and I was doing a lot of fine art photography stuff. Uh, That's what I went to school for. And so I was doing that and I was starting to do a lot more like freelance photography work. I was working with a bunch of... Uh, the fixed gear like biker crew, yeah, no, I've seen them. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. around. So that's that was like I was, uh, you know, I was a ski bum, uh, fixie crew guy, doing photography work, uh, which is like a, its own obsession. Yeah, totally. You no, know, bicycles and skiing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I've and he always was a school been in like
0: Colorado, right?
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. I went To see you.
0: So that's yeah. like a huge, huge thing here.
1: Right. Yeah, especially out here, uh, or there. Um, and I, so I was, like, really deep into that, and I was starting to get recognized as, like, the guy who made those really cool 3D-printed photo things in, like, the fine art galleries, um, and I was starting to get commissions, and then FPV started, and I kind of just, like, dropped it all at once, um...
0: Was that a hard decision?
1: No, it was natural. Uh, it, it was really, really natural. Yeah, I mean, for me, I still like would love to do that, it, but it was a creative outlet, right? And I think FPV replaced that as my creative outlet. Not necessarily that FPV took over it. It was I've always I always just needed a creative outlet one way or another, and that was what I was doing at the time then, and FPV is what I'm doing now. Yeah, and do you feel like um,
0: that FPV, like, you know, you're saying skiing and biking and photography. Do you think that FPV is also very addicting or easy to be passionate about because it's adrenaline and creativity in, like, a whole new way that no one's ever seen?
1: Um, So... There's, like, part of FPV that's incredibly new and no one's ever seen, and then there's a lot of parts which are just exactly the same, but FPVers think that it's special to FPV. Yeah. um, Like, the whole creative photography part, like, that's all action sports do that, right? There's dope edits of people mountain biking and of fixing between buses and skiers and, like, all that kind of stuff, right? So, like art and and creativity along with adrenaline based extreme sports has always existed like that's part of extreme sports I think a uh, huge part of it is like I so in Boulder uh, where I went to school Boulder Colorado is where a lot of the the ski production companies do their premieres yeah um so matchstick productions is one is a major company that makes a bunch of ski movies and they they have their premiere at the Boulder Theater. Um, And I used to go to those. And it's the same kind of attitude. You know, it's like super stoked about this new stuff and these new locations and this new way of showing skiing um, and these rad people who are doing rad things and everyone's stoked about it. And, I mean, that's, that's just like extreme sports, right? And FPV, I find the same way uh there's just a bit more like i think because fpv is so new um there's a bit more like trying to push each other out negativity with fpv hardcore uh hardcore yeah like where it's like i want to be the big man yeah I, you know i think a lot of it's based on just jealousy um, i would agree a denial of jealousy Uh, but so like, I think the more mature industries like skiing also went through things like that, but they've all settled down and there are, you know, there's a, there's a separation or at least everyone's just kind of figured out how it works. Um, and I think FEV is just, it's just growing pains.
0: Yeah, I think it's definitely growing pains. And, you know, when I think of my favorite pilots or like people I relate to or talk to in the industry, they're all awesome people that are super nice, maybe opinionated, but not assholes. And, but you Mm -hmm. know, it's like the, the noise of the group is like the negative part, right? When I usually pick out the individuals that I talk to or relate to, then it's chill. But, uh, like I was just scrolling through Facebook, like before we got on this podcast and it's like, I got to stay away from that, man. Like Mm -hmm. the comments are insane.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, Like, if you've noticed, I don't have that much of a presence on Facebook Yeah. um, other than, like, me posting my video content. Mm -hmm. Like, that's about it. Um, And I generally stay away from commenting. Like, I'm a lurker. I guess that's the term, right? Is, like, I'll scroll through it, but I'm not ever going to step my shoes in any of that because it's not worth my time um, or my own personal, like, well being for me, I just want to have your vibes. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, so a great example. Uh, you know, I love the guy is uh, Chad Nowak. Yeah, right. He, I think, went a bit too deep, um, and I just saw him post a pretty personal post about just saying like, you know, you got to stay away from social media because it will eat you away. Um, and I think there's varying degrees of that, like. If you are the kind of person who has to have the last word or has to, like, say your opinion, um, then yeah, it's going to be really difficult to, to be on Facebook around that negative video because you're going to, you're going to want to say what you have to say, even if it's positive to your own psyche or not. Yeah. Um, and, and it's most likely because it's the internet is going to just, chew you away until you can't handle it anymore. And you have to bail from social media. Right. So at least with social media, I think there's, you have to, to kind of be aware of that and, and know your boundary and when to not cross over this boundary or else it will come and bite your ass. So, I mean, and which is why you won't see me commenting a whole bunch, especially on the, the controversial topics. Um, because I don't, like, one part is I don't want my name stuck to to some things. Um, yeah, and
0: you do have, you know, like, a name now.
1: Right. Like, uh, you uh, can't and that's be not doing even... stupid
0: shit. Like, you can't be diving crazy buildings and, like, you know, you have, like, this is this is your LinkedIn account, not just your Facebook account. This is, yeah. like, your shit. And
1: that's, that's how I see Facebook, too, right, is that's, that's, like, you were, you know, you were just asking earlier about if I've blown any of the city stuff. And, like, so let's... Play an example. Um, 90% of my income to pay like rent and utilities and like to buy food is drone really. Actually, probably 100% of it is like drone related, right? Um, so if I were to, let's say, dive a building or fly over a highway or do something mildly risky, um, and something were to go wrong, right? I'm not saying that it's... There's something can absolutely go wrong, no matter what. Yeah. Right? Drones fall out of the air. Like, even cars break down. And those, like, building a car has a lot of regulations and safety checks and everything. And every once in a while, a fucking wheel falls off <laughs> when you're driving down the highway, right? So, I'd... It's really hard for me to grasp how people think they, like, how they trust their gear so much. Definitely. Um, it's unreal. But yeah. yeah. So something that I made in two hours on my desk, you know, snipping wires, Um if that were to fail and I were to get put in the news as, like, Drone falls and breaks car windshield. Let's say it's like something super kind of minor like that, where it's like I broke car windshield. I paid the dude. He fixed his car windshield. We're good. We shook hands. You know, no, no, yeah, harm done. But like, let's say the media gets a hold of it and it's drone hits car. ESPN champion. Yeah, exactly. ESPN two-time world champion. You know, or terrorist question mark. Well, then the, the amount of people that I'm putting in jeopardy are, like, me, my family, um, DRL, all of DRL sponsors. And then it's, like, greater than that, right? It's it's the, the whole FPV industry as itself and all of you guys and, like, all of that. All of us peasants be... down here hanging out. <laughs> Dude, like, well, anyone who loves FPV, man, like, that's the, like... I don't want to put other people in jeopardy, um, and I, I feel a responsibility to everyone, right, to some degree.
0: Yeah, I, um, that, I mean, for me, I don't have DRL and all that shit, but, like, the, the community is one thing. Just being able to do it for a long time is another thing. Mm-hmm. I could see if the rules got stricter, but I hope they, like, chastise the person breaking the rules, not the community, you know? So, even in that sense, I want to keep my hands clean, and right. uh, I don't know, I just don't want to like deal with that, like sorry, I broke your bay window. I was just trying to rip this construction yeah. site in your house was the first one done, and I didn't know
1: right like that would that would eat at your soul,
0: yeah, exactly, and right. it's going back to like you said with like I don't like flying around people for me when I fly like i in for me to fly to the point where I enjoy watching my footage, I have to be in it like a total zen kind of just like shut everything Mm -hmm. out and i can't even get close to that if there's people around
1: right or if you're like in the back of your head you're like all right there might be someone who walks down that pathway or something right you don't right you don't want to deal with any of that so most all of my flying uh is done on blm or national forest service land um because they're you can shoot guns yeah dude that's that's my rule of thumb if you can shoot guns and if you can hunt. If you could go like go ride your dirt bike around, then I can fly my little drone, you know,
0: my toy quadcopter.
1: It's a it's a sport, damn it.
0: <laughs> it's a fobby
1: <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I, I really, it's it's uh, it's keeping the good vibes up for both my own well being and for for I think everybody's.
0: Yeah, I think and for the most part, I think the community's on the same page. There's always some outliers of, like, some real jackasses, but it's like driving or anything, you know?
1: Right. And, like, there's, like, I drive like a jackass sometimes, too, and I then I drive like a nice person sometimes. And, like, I totally get that, and I'm, I'm not really one to go chastise someone for doing something risky. Um, I think there's definitely a level of, risk management involved with like okay this might be risky but right the the benefits outweigh the negatives or like the the possibilities or the percentage that something could go wrong or pretty minimal right that's like that's any extreme sport so like for me as a skier like i could drop this cliff and it would be dope but i could also like hurt myself but yeah. it's pow day, so it's unlikely that I wear it by herself. And like you know, there's all these options that you can weigh, and in the end, you either send it or you don't. And and that's another word that FPV thinks they made up, but they didn't.
0: Send it, dude. Hashtag send it. <laughs>
1: but yeah, yeah I think I,
0: I, the risk management part is a huge part of it, and. From everybody I've talked to, like, on the podcast and outside of it that has some relation to an extreme sport, like you skiing, me mountain biking, skating, whatever, kind of understands that risk management. But sometimes I think, you know, if you came from, like, a straight video game world and you're like, oh, this is just video games with sunscreen, I can just do the same thing.
1: Mm. Yeah, or some people just don't give a fuck.
0: That's true, too, man.
1: That's like there's plenty of people who are like, yeah, it's the world is my oyster. I'm yeah. going to do whatever the fuck I want to do, which the is like is my
0: oyster. Check my Instagram story.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like that's cool. Good for you for being so incredibly confident.
0: <laughs> Did you, but, you know, so you, you got into this in what? 2015, 2015.
1: No, earlier than that. 2013, I think is when I actually salty. built my first drone. Salty. Veteran. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah so I, So I was doing that 3D printing stuff, and I was like, what the fuck else can I do with this 3D printer? Um, And it was just one, like, thingy first, and, like, those were getting popular, and, like, there were all these new Mm. websites. you had a printer in 2013? Yeah.
0: Dude, that's pretty G. Yeah, Yeah, I
1: I built my own printer, like, way back, you know, when, when, well, because it was one of those things where I was Googling around, and I was like, what the fuck is a 3D printer? And I was like, I need one. Um, And I was in art school where everyone was critiquing pictures of their dog, their food, or their sunsets. And I was like, dude, i got to do something different than, you know, these people taking pictures of flowers. This is bullshit. Um, Or of their friend that's naked, like, on a windowsill because it's art. Like, I saw so much just art. For, because that's what art is stuff. And I was like, all right, I need to do something that's actually different and original, and what can I do? And I was Googling around, and I, I I was web searching. I'm friends with a Google employee now, and they're not allowed to say Googling. What? Because it's, like, the company name. So it's it's web search. That'd be a tough one to replace in my I, memory. I, I'm do, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to work on it, just because I find that interesting, right? That, like... Googling isn't. I mean, it's like saying "pass me the Kleenex," sort of yeah. thing. Um, so I'm trying to say web search more, but that once again tangents. Um, but, but yeah, so I was like, I was, I was, I had this 3D printer, and I was like, man, what do I do more with this? And I, I found these plans, and I ordered uh, these airplane motors and plush six amp ESCs. Mm. And I 3D printed a frame and I and I built it. Uh this was with a a KK board and I it just like wouldn't work because <laughs> I had because I had bought a DX six I and, like, I, I have zero experience with RC before this. I had a Fomi when I was, like, 12, and I crashed it, and then I broke it. And I was like, that's my experience with RC. Um And my little brother had, like, a couple, like, shitty little cars from Japan that my grandma brought over. You know, like... Yeah, minimal. Right. Uh, and so I bought a DX6i at the local, ho- local hobby shop, and, and then I bought a FR Sky, like, micro-receiver... Back in the day, um, and I was. It took me like a week and a half to learn that I can't actually bind spectrum radio with an FR. It's so funny that
0: that's like your first FPV.
1: Dude, it it was like a week of how the fuck do you make this talk to this thing? Um, So that was fun, and like, there's obviously when you web search how to bind Spectrum DX6i to, like, the V6N FR Sky receiver, nothing comes up, yeah. right? Because you can't. And I couldn't figure out why I couldn't and why there wasn't any fucking information online. And, like, this is back when the only information is people on RC groups and it's, like, 200-page threads of people building drones with flame wheel arms and wooden dowels, right? So it's, like, there, no, there's not much information on the subject. So I got it bound, finally. After going to the hobby shop and just buying the $60 Spectrum yeah,
2: yeah. receiver, like PWM,
1: you had to plug all the plugs. Because um, this is pre-PPM era. Um, and then I took me like another week to find out that you had to put the props on in a specific order. And the <laughs> Yeah, because like that, the, like that kind of information didn't exist, man. Like, especially like if you're, you're not coming from anything
0: RC. Like, I totally right. like I had to have a picture, like a product photo of the Storm drone I bought when I first right. got it, so I could look at the props and be like, "That's the way they go."
1: Right. I didn't even know that that you had there was a way, or that you like I had no understanding of that. So I spent a bunch of time googling, you know, drone propeller direction and like. You know, there wasn't information, so it took me like digging and digging and just going through hundreds of pages of RC groups till like I saw some guy was like, "Did you check your motor direction?" Like just helping someone else. I was like, "Mother." Eureka! Damn. And then, and then it took me like another day to figure out that the motors also had to go like the same direction as the propellers. Um, you know that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it took me like three weeks or something. From when I finished building my drone to actually having it like arm and not just wig out. And remember, every time it wigged out and the propel and the propellers were on wrong, and I would break an arm yeah. because it was a three D printed frame. And I would spend two hours printing another arm and disassembling the entire quad and putting it- like it was like three weeks of just stubbornness because I wanted this thing to fucking work already. Um, and we and then like me and my buddies. We got super, like, I was super stoked about it, and I wanted to show my friends once I finally got it hovering. And, like, one night, we were all having a party at our place, and, like, everyone's drunk in the living room. And I'm like, dudes, check this out. I'm <laughs> here with the Qualcomm. And I like, fucking, like, armed it and hovered it in our tiny little living room. And there's like, 30 <laughs> people standing around it. And, like, I, I didn't realize how dangerous that was. Yeah, but, they're, they're, well, I mean,
0: like, back then, you know. the fact that it was flying like the thought process ended there (laughs) like (laughs) yeah
1: yeah it was and and like all my friends like oh that's so cool but no one was really like interested or like techie enough right like everyone was nerdy about skis or nerdy about bikes but they weren't like electronic nerdy yeah um so they all thought it was really rad but none of them really wanted to spend the money or get into it because they were mountain biking right um and so I actually flew by myself for, like, a year. I had never met anyone else who had even heard of a drone or, like, blue drones or anything drone for, like, a year. Um, and I, I learned line of sight first. Uh, so I flew line of sight for, like, six months um, with that little 3D printing quad and with, like, little, you know, brushless, or brushed drones that I'd build and stuff like that with... Uh, uh mini Wii flight controllers.
0: Yeah. Oh dude, I forgot about those. And multi
1: Wii. Yeah, man. Oh awful, awful program where you had to like restart it and then quit it and restart it. The the just the right way for the application to boot up properly so you could actually connect it to the flight control. It was terrible. Um but yeah, so I like I learned line of sight because I couldn't afford because I was a college student, so I couldn't afford like goggles at the time. Um so I I flew line of sight, like just around tooling around the backyard and stuff for six months or so. And then I saved up like a grand and I bought and this is like right when Blackout was getting big. Yep. And and so for many people they don't know the Blackout two fifty mini H quad, the original build was thirteen oh six T motors. On 5-inch props on 2-cell. That was, like, the recommended build.
0: That's a fucking lawnmower. Dude,
1: 1306. <laughs> on 2-cell? On 2-cell? With 50-30, like, like, gem fan props? Yeah. Yeah, like... It, oh. And that was, like, the top of the line. The best it gets. Like, holy shit. Yeah, like, and in that got... moment,
0: you didn't know any better, though. You were like, dude, this is...
1: Yeah, so really? I, I saved up a shit ton of money, and I bought the blackout spider hex because I I was like, man, six motors has got to be better I than four, did, right? I did the same uh, thing when
0: I bought my first quad. <laughs> I bought a hex, uh,
1: and that was, and then I like I bought the goggles, and I actually, if you go, I think it's like around 2014 is my very first. If you go to my YouTube, uh, YouTube.com/slash Jordan Temkin. And you scroll, you go to videos, and you scroll all the bottom, you can actually find my very first ever FPV flight. Ever. Um, it's right here, four years ago, uh, May 12, 2014.
0: Damn, dude, that's so long ago.
1: This, so, do you remember the flooding that happened in Colorado in 2014? Oh, yeah, it was huge. In Boulder? Yeah. So this is shortly after the floods like dried up. Um and this is up near Chautauqua, like okay. Flagstaff area. Um which is illegal to fly drones in now.
2: Yeah, which Back is then, real drones,
1: place. Right, because it's beautiful. But I get why because it's super common uh touristy attraction. Um but like no one knew what a drone was, so it wasn't illegal.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna have to uh, this video. This is gold,
1: dude. And so that's that's my very first FPV flight ever. Like I never put on the goggles before this, other than like in my room testing video.
0: Yeah, and that's not like you you didn't fly like an open field.
1: Fuck no, man. Like
0: that was like that's you flew lame. like a creek path.
1: <laughs> yeah, like this was like a mountainside. And I did the blackout splash screen because that's what all the cool kids do. You know, yeah. I wanted to be a cool guy.
0: How old um, were you? Th- and this old? is
1: this is in horizon mode. I'm pretty sure or auto level of some sort.
0: Yeah, that's where I started too. How old were you in
1: 2014? Uh, I'm 27 now.
0: 23.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The math. Um. Yeah, so this was, like, I had, like, just graduated college. I was still living with my college roomies. You know, we were just, like, hanging it. I was just working a couple jobs, just hanging out. Yeah. Um, and then shortly after that, um, I decided to, I was like, man, okay, I've been flying for, like, a year now. I just got this FPV thing. It's pretty awesome. And I flew FPV by myself for, like, another six months. Um, I was claimed to fame—the very first person to post a rotor X-related video. What? Outside of the rotor X company. Yeah. As a customer, um, and then I and then I drove. I went up to uh, meetup.com. This is the first time I've ever met up with people from the internet. And I was like, man, I gotta learn. I got to like meet some people who fly drones because like I'm, I'm really fucking like this. This is fun. Uh, And so I drove an hour to Fort Collins from Boulder. uh, And because Fort Collins, uh, my friend Brennan Zellner started this meetup group that was just, you know, drone and it was called the Fort Collins drone enthusiasts. And we'd meet and just fly every Monday. And it was like you know it was mostly line of sight dudes, and some people had FPV, and you there'd just be like a swarm of twenty Dude, like drones the flying in front of Dogtown and Z
0: Boys days. Of
1: oh, it was drones. so cool, man! And that's the thing is like you don't see twenty drones flying at once in the same space now, yeah, because everyone's all only FPV.
0: Yeah, who powered on?
1: Yeah, but back then most people were line of sight. Yep. So it was, you, you just have this fucking chaos cloud of drones and it was, it was really fun. And then you'd have a few dudes like FP being around them. Um, but yeah. So that's like my beginnings in drone. I don't even know how we got started on that topic. You don't even need to worry uh, but that's, about it, man. So that's where I met, uh, Jesse Perkins, uh, and Chris Fisher. Yeah. And um, for people who don't know, uh, Jesse Perkins, Chris Fisher and I were the first, uh, team big whoop. You know, we formed Team Big Whoop um, right before Drone Nationals 2015. Um, and it was it was a pretty big whoop at the time. Because back then, sponsored teams were only big companies. Like, there was Team Blackout, like, for people who were sponsored by that company. There was uh, Lumineer, you know, which were, like, people sponsored by Lumineer. And there was, like, Sky Hero which was uh, Brian Morris and Kaelin. They were Sky Hero. You know, like, all the teams back then were these company-based teams, and we prided ourselves on being the first and only independent team in FPV racing, Um, which now is like, you know, there's hundreds of teams, which is super awesome, you know, like... And and a team is just a group of friends who'd like to fly drones together, right? That's that's like the epitome of an independent team. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's been a long road since then. But yeah. Drone Nationals, I could talk about Drone Nationals too, dude. Hop on,
0: that's on it. That's
1: always fun. Well, and, well
0: uh, I feel well. A, we should ahead. talk about like meeting Jesse and stuff like that because now oh, I yeah. feel. Like Chris Fisher, like Christian and I just went up to Jesse's two nights ago to hang out with Chris and mm-hmm. Jesse. You go to the Invitational? Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, in January.
1: Yes. Yeah. I. Uh, I might be a day late because I am pretty stoked, but I have a. Better, I am better late than never. Filming a. I'm filming skiing.
0: Oh, what the Solomon thing.
1: Yeah. It's all a uh, topics. No, this is another uh, another one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's we'll we'll chat about that. I don't know about if I'm supposed to, but well, I'll, it doesn't matter. We can talk about the Solomon we'll, thing. You already mentioned that. Yeah, so. we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, but uh,
0: going back to the Jesse thing,
1: like, yeah, what? Who is Jesse? What yeah. was it like meeting him?
0: What was it like meeting Jesse Perkins before the credibility of Tiny Whoop and like all this shit, you know? And like, what was it? How did what, what, how did the like big Whoop come up? And you guys were like, let's do this, or like, let's call it this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. um, So I met Jesse and Chris at this Fort Collins meetup. They were regulars, uh, already notorious in that group. Um, Jesse was known for his tiny quads. Like, that was his thing. You know, he had little brushed quads that he would build an FPV around. Um, and he was super into the Aries, I believe is what it was. But it's pretty much like a SEMA X5... Yeah, I know who you're talking and about. And he'd like, st- he'd you know, he'd fly those around, and that was like his thing. Um, and Chris was known for making super duper powerful line of sight quads. Like he had the uh, uh, quad mover. He you don't know who quad mover is? Uh-uh. Oh, dude! Right now. So, yeah, go go to. He's uh one of the he's the the best known line of sight uh pilot for quad stuff. Um, he used to be called. Uh, he yeah, I can't remember his previous name. Oh, I got uh, it. But he's called Quad Mover now. Uh, but and he had this line of like, uh frames that he sold that were line of sight quads and and so and and Chris built his had designed his own line of sight quads that were you know twelve to one thrust ratio line of sight rigs, which was virtually unheard of back then when quads were barely like four to one. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, this dude's um, insane. I'm watching it right yeah.
1: now. He's crazy. Uh but yeah, so so Chris so Jesse was like, you know, the same old eccentric Jesse Um, And we immediately became friends. Um, And Chris was like, you know, we all just like kind of clicked. And I ended up just like driving up there every single Monday. I'd drive an hour up there just to hang out with everybody and fly drones. Um, And then eventually... uh, Chris Fisher was like... Yeah. And we started, like, racing each other. You know, we'd, like, set up pool noodle gates and race each other. And it was, like, a NASCAR track. You know, like, we're not talking complicated. It's, like, figure eights. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No split-ass gates and shit.
1: No. I Like, I bet there's a few videos of that kind of stuff. But, like... um, So, like, we started racing each other. And we were having a lot of fun just competing. And then Chris sends us a link going, yo, guys, there's this race going on in California called the Drone Nationals. We should register. And this was, like, the day that website went up. Like, we were one of the first people to, to like, just pay. And we're like, we're going. It doesn't matter. Um, and that's actually around when I quit my jobs um, because I was I was working, like, a bunch of jobs. And I was like, no, nah, I've saved up enough. I I'd, do I'd want to do drone things and, like, have my own time. Yeah, because I through college I was I was working three part time jobs and I was a full time student and like you know time wasn't my it wasn't my time Um, so I I quit everything and I was like I want to just be a drone bum Um, because my dream always was being a ski bum so it was close enough so Uh, so, yeah it's a little cooler drones are a little cooler. Um, so we like we practiced our asses off, and we developed the XBR, the Black Bolt XBR. That's like Chris's baby, um, and Jesse and I were consultant slash friends um, there, helping him design that. Um, and so we we designed the XBR, which at the time there was no such thing as. So the the race quad was like the mini Blackout Mini H. That was like the race. That was a race quad, right? Yeah. Um, and we built. This ultralight race quad, you know, that thing weighed the same as what the Flosses weigh now. Yeah. Um, and we're running six-inch props, like 60-45-inch props on a 220 frame that weighs 230 grams. Like, this thing was insanely fast. Um, and we absolutely had the fastest quad at Drone Nationals, like, hands down. No... Like not even a competition. We had the fastest quad there. We weren't the fastest pilots, but our hardware wise, always. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hardware wise, we were way faster. Um, so like while we were developing, or you know, designing this race frame that we were all going to compete at Drone Nationals with, um, we were like, shit, we need like a team name because there's Team Lumineer and they've got like you know Charfu and and uh, who else was on Lumineer? You know, they're, they're big names, and, and Jesse made the joke, oh, we, I wanna, we we should be Big Whoops, too. Like, I want to be a Big Whoop, too, someday. <laughs> um, and I think Chris and I were like, nah, man, that's... Or, you know, one of them came up with that idea, and at first we were like, that's a fucking joke. Uh, but then we kind of all fell in love with it. And so that's, that's how the name Big Whoop started. Um, and for anyone who's curious about how Tiny Whoop started, I'm sure they've heard this story a billion times, but... Uh, we were notorious for stickering the shit out of everything. Um to to the point that it probably annoyed a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Um and Jesse made these stickers that were tiny big whoop stickers that said tiny whoop on them. You know, and that that was how the name of that started. Yeah, but I like think that's
0: that's a crazy marriage, like the tiny whoop, big whoop thing.
1: Yeah. Well and so like I've had a couple times like Christian and I were one time we went to this drone shop and we were wearing our Big Whoop hats and some guy was like, oh, look at the Tiny Whoop hats. Like, you know, Tiny Whoop has far outshadowed uh, – like most people don't even know what Big Whoop is.
0: Yeah, and, and um, I mean not in a bad way but, I, you know, it seems like it's something that's kind of been left behind a little like everybody went off and did their own thing.
1: Yeah, and I mean originally the idea was it was like – you know, many of these company-based teams don't even pl- practice together. Don't, don't, don't fly together. They don't even—they're not even friends. But we're like friends, and we live in the same area, and we practice together two or three times a day. And like we're actual team, right? Yeah, that was the idea. Um, and it—we always kind of knew that it wasn't going to be possible to the, the like day would come. you know, yeah, the day would come when it. But like we're still all friends. Um, and all that, but it's not what it used to be, which was like a dedicated racing team where we'd like sacrifice our time and our families to. <laughs> yeah, like treat like nice. an Olympic team.
0: Yeah, well, it, yeah, like yeah. you definitely took like slightly different avenues. Like, I mean, you like your DRL thing took off right away. Zach was on DRL too, but I think like he went more of like the frame and like you mm-hmm. know like tech side a little bit more. Like right. when you guys all moved out and shit, but. Uh, I mean, not only on the – like, you guys had a huge influence on, like, the Colorado FPV thing. It was so funny because the the Titan Grand Prix dudes called up Christian. Like, it was like a month or two after you guys moved out of here. And yeah. uh, they hit up Christian and were like, hey, we need help filming this thing and flying this thing. And so we went down there, and they were like, yeah, like, we hit you guys up. And I was like, I know, dude. Temkin and Thayer are out. No, and <laughs> Novak are in. <laughs>
1: I'm super bummed about that. Like that's that's one of my. I never saw myself leaving Colorado. Interesting, personally. Um, until my girlfriend was like, you know, I don't like we. So we met in college in Colorado, um, and she took a year. Uh, she went. She's from Myanmar, um, and so she went back there after college for a bit just to like visit home because she'd been in the states for so long um she wanted to live with her family and so when she was coming back to move here with me it was like i don't want to move back to colorado because that's where i went to school and i know uh, you know it feels like a step backwards yeah um which i i totally understand that like 100 percent, right and i was like fuck but i really like colorado um, and so we were trying to figure out where we should move and it was, you know, we were talking about California and like, and I was like, you know, I, I have family in sh- Seattle. I grew up in Seattle. It's a really cool city. Um, we should check that out. Um, but like, I, I thought I wasn't good. I thought I could live in Colorado forever. And then I like slowly Became really annoyed that I couldn't fucking buy any Asian food anywhere in Fort Collins. That was the
0: that was the last straw, dude.
1: The last straw was like, I there's no Asian food store. Like, where the fuck am I supposed to buy my pork belly? And like, you gotta go to Boulder, man. And my soy sauce and shit, you know, like, okay, that maybe that you can buy it anywhere, but like that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm so, the diversity. I'm so bad at grocery store
0: aisles. I I can't dude. find the soy sauce.
1: <laughs> okay not that bad like okay we'll say duh with something super asian pickled shrimp
0: paste or whatever
1: yeah or like fucking bok choy or like like fish with the head still on it
0: yeah <gasps> where you're like yeah like the eyes
1: yeah yeah or like chicken feet i don't like chicken feet i'd take that back um but yeah like so then I, I, I realized, man, shit, I, I guess Seattle might be cool, and I'd, I'd really enjoy living in the city again. Instead of having to drive, like, 15, 20 minutes to get to the grocery store, it's, like, a block away now. It's yeah. Like I feel like it'd be
0: easier to motivate myself to leave the city to fly than to go to the city to do shit.
1: Yes, it is. It absolutely is. Because for me, it's like, oh, sweet, I'm going to go, you know. And and so we're, like, skipping a few beats here. Um, but when I moved back to Seattle... Like I like all my high school friends are mostly gone, right? There's like two or three of them left here, um, and I hadn't seen them in eight or nine years now. You know, so like we've all gone different ways. You know, you know how it is, I do, right? I do yeah. Like yeah, when you were in high school to when you're 27 are very different. You know, the most times.
0: changing of your life, probably.
1: Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, I still love the guys, but they're. You know it's not the same as it used to be, um, and so I like I didn't have any friends out here, and that was the scariest part of moving to Seattle for me. Right? Yeah, was, so coming was, from
0: coming from like a circle,
1: right? Like I had Jesse, and I had like you guys, and I had all these like drone friends, and then other friends, and ski friends, and like yeah, that to leave that all behind was like a huge scare. Um, but luckily, I've been a, met a bunch of cool people out here, uh, and you had your you know, girl. That's you know, yeah, better than by right. herself yeah. for sure. Right. And and the, the she's even more brave than I, you know, she moved from Myanmar, which if you don't know is like Southeast Asia, that's next to Bangladesh and Thailand. And, you know, so she moved literally around the world to be in a city she'd only visited once to, to meet my parents like a year ago. Um, so like, she's got balls to do something like that. Yeah, that's uh, heavy. Yeah, that's some shit. Yeah, and you and went I over
0: there, like didn't you? Like last year. Yeah, a great
1: trip. I, I spent like a month or so over in like the Thailand, Myanmar. It was the coolest trip I've it looked ever done. Epic, man, especially Dude. like you already
0: mentioned, food. You know, uh,
1: I gained 15 pounds in a month. Totally okay. <laughs> like I ate like five meals a day, man. It was just so good. <sighs> I could, I could not, and I actually I only flew drones like once.
0: <laughs> it's just... Ah, oh, fuck it.
1: <laughs> been like a month and a half. It was super cool.
0: That's sick, dude. Um, um, I'm going to take a bathroom break, grab a drink real quick.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm going to re-up on a beer.
0: Yep. Um, so, like, that was a pretty good description of your FPV lineage. At what point do yeah. you feel yeah. you transitioned or, like, got heavy into, like, your mountain style of flying?
1: Um, from the very beginning.
0: Yeah, like, that was a thing. I don't think I've ever seen, like, a park edit of yours or anything, like...
1: Uh, there's a few here and there. But, yeah, I mean, you saw my very first flight. Mm Mm-hmm. That was mountain flying. Yeah. You know, that's... Is it kind of what you imagined, like, like, from the get-go? Yeah, I mean, as a skier, mountain biker, like, I've always... Like, that's my, you know, homeland, right? Um, is just nature and... Being out there, and so it's a natural progression for me to then explore it even further with the new tools I have. Yeah,
0: and you're like a die-hard, never leave your gear behind.
1: Oh yeah, I've only ever lost one quad in like the five years I've been flying,
0: dude. Like from coming from a social media standpoint, watching your like progressions like the when you guys like rent in wetsuits to look for your quad for like three oh days or whatever. And it was just every day it was like a log, like from like an abandoned Dude. island. It was like, Yeah, we're still out here <laughs> like
1: Dude, Moak Moke is just the man, you know, like the dedication involved to to jump into Water, Which most people would be like Don't do that you'll get hypothermia But then we spend like three hours in there Probably with mild hypothermia mm-hmm. Looking for quads and stuff Like He's a badass Just in itself for being like sticking by a friend like that you know And so I, I've obviously We've done the same for each other When we lose our quads But the the one quad I did lose Was in Colorado Funny enough uh, after I moved away, but I came back for this trip. Oh, I did with right by uh, Eisenhower Tunnel. Yeah, yes. I, I heard about uh, it. I heard about yeah. it. Yeah, so I, we did a trip. It was me, uh, Andrew Meyer, uh, who's made it a FPV, uh, and uh, Gab and Skyberries. Yep. So it was Gab, Bryce, Andrew, and I, uh, and our buddy who was filming, and we spent like a week just in the mountains. We got an Airbnb up in uh, – uh, Dylan area, Silverton, and just like explored for a week. Uh, and on the way home to go to the airport, we were like, oh, let's just fly one more spot. And it was like a, a mountain that's higher than another little mountain, you know? And we were following each other and we were doing like this three, three quad train. Um, and I I lost them for a second, right as we had crested the first mountain, and I was like looking around, and I guess as I was looking around, I dipped a little too low in altitude, and I went out of line of sight, and it was like static gone, and so it's like we're on the way to the airport. It's like two miles away, or on the other side of a mountain that's covered in snow. Like yeah, and it's gone. Yeah, and like, if it was, if I had, if I still lived in Colorado, I probably would have, like, hiked my ass out there and looked for it, like, for sure. Um, no doubt. I've done crazier hikes to get quads. Uh, and I, and that's part of it for me too, right? Is like, I love hiking in nature and that kind of shit. So, just another excuse to, like, you know, and I climb. And so, yeah. like, just another excuse to use that, like, knowledge and repertoire. I absolutely will. Like, I've actually, I have, there's a video on the Show Me What You Got channel, which, you know, that's.
0: Of the, rest th- in the quads stuck up on a cliff.
1: Yeah, and, like, I called my buddy up, Trent, who is just a general badass. He's one of those guys who's just, like, a fucking badass. Uh, he taught me how to shoot my first gun. Uh, he used to, I used to mountain bike with him and he'd just like go up the mountain and I'd be huffing and puffing like a mile behind being like, how the fuck is he? Yeah. Crushing it with like with willpower, like the willpower is insane with that guy. Um, and I called him up and I hadn't talked to him for like six or eight months. Uh, I used to, to make pizza. He had a, a trailer wood fire oven pizza. That we would go to like weddings and farmers markets, and sl- I, you know, I used to slang pizza with him. Yeah. Um, which was a super, super fun time. That'd be an awesome. Food service. Like, yeah, I used to work food service, and I, I loved doing Travel bonds, or...
0: bro. Kitchen bonds.
1: Dude, it's so much fun, man. Like Yeah, so I like slang pizzas with the guy, and he's just general. And we've done like a bunch of backpacking trips where we've, you know, went uh, deep into Utah canyons and for, like, a week straight. So he's a badass guy, and I called him up, and I was like, yo, man, I got this drone it has been stuck up on this cliff for, like, two weeks. So actually, that I had crashed it on a cliff the day before I left to go visit my girlfriend, who was living in Chicago then, for, like, a week. So I, like, crashed it right as the sun's setting on a cliff, and we're like, fuck, it's gone. And so I came back, like, ten days later, called up my buddy, and I was like, yo, man, I need some help. And he just, like, brought all his trad climbing gear out. And Same we... thing
0: for him, though. Like, any excuse, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. He was like, dude, I have all this trad gear. And like, Did you say a rescue had... mission? Yeah, he was like, fuck yeah, dude. And yeah. we. we there's, my favorite moment is we're crossing the river, like, freezing cold river. I'm like, yeah, Trent, what are we doing? And he's like, we're out here. We're going to go find us. Save us a robot. You know, something <laughs> yeah. like that. It's, it's the funniest thing. Um,
0: yeah, it's I saw that video and like – and then I was like, oh, I need one of those friends. And then this Mm kid's like – we got an intern at my job and he like climbed rocks. I was like, yo, can I have your number? Like here's what I do. (laughs) Check out my video. I might need to call you someday. And then one day I got a quad stuck up uh, on a cliff and uh, a week later I had to go back and get it with him. But he he was like the same way. He was like, yeah, I'll be there at like 9 a.m. Like hell yeah. yeah. Where is it? Dude.
1: Because it's the excuse to go do that. And, like, that's the mentality that I come from, mm-hmm. right? Is, like, I'd, I would consider myself one of those guys. Like, if you ever need help getting a quad back from somewhere, call me. If you're outside of the Washington greater area, like, if you buy me a plane ticket, I will come help you find your fucking quad. Like, yeah. that would be the most fun thing in the whole world. Um. Yeah, recently, I actually have a video that I made that is a recent recovery mission. Benson crashed his quad on the side of a uh, mountain. So Benson's my long-range buddy who's been, like, showing me the, the area. And it's the uh, same
0: Benson that, like, Gap mentioned yes, in the episode and everything. Yeah.
1: So he's, like, a long-range fiend. He doesn't crash. He doesn't like to crash. He flies long-range. That's what he does. And we were flying a couple of weeks ago. And he crashed. And, like, I felt like a dick, but I was so giddy, dude. I was like, yes, that's a crash. We got to go get this thing. And it's, like, way up on the side of this mountain. And he's all bummed out because he crashed. And it's, like, his favorite quad. I was like, we get to go on an adventure. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. But, yeah, like, the recovery is half the fun for me, for sure. For sure, for sure then I think more people need to, to get down. Because I know people who have crashed into trees and were like, oh, can't get it back now, it's gone. And I don't understand that. That like that that doesn't exist in my brain to just to to give up. I yeah, I fell I through, through see- some ice slumber. last
0: winter trying to get an ND filter off this lake just because it was like 10 feet away and I couldn't leave it and walk away. Like I couldn't see it visually and just take, go the other direction. I was like,
1: right. Well, cause you're like littering. Yeah. So well, littering just, and yeah, I'm yeah. like,
0: it's right fucking there. Like I yeah. know, you know, even like a crash quad, I've lost one that was like gone forever and it was my own fault. But you know, even like if you record DVR and you're like, mm-hmm. not half an asshole when you're flying and like aware of like where your major landmarks are, You can get that thing down to, like, a football field size of where it is, you know?
1: Right, and then you just zigzag the shit out of it.
0: Yeah, you got to get that grid pattern, bro. Otherwise, you lose track of time. And it's time. time. Yeah.
1: It's time, you know? Like, uh, there's been times where I've gone back, like, five days to the same place to look for a quad, and I eventually found it, right? It's about dedication, Um, and if you do know you're looking in the right area, you will find it. Last time I'm running an all-black
0: quad. Fucking idiot, yeah, dude! <laughs> you gotta get some neon on there somewhere. I know.
1: I, I wish carbon fiber was like neon yellow.
0: Yeah, and, well, and for and me, something. for a while, I was like, I just want all murdered out black props, everything, it and then like I got cool. into long range, and I was like, that was a mistake. Yeah. So I just put uh, some yellow or like <laughs> no, orange no, electrical no, tape no, around no, my no. GoPro. So,
1: slight another another tangent now. Uh I am starting my own frame company. Dude. Well
0: the three nine nine project.
1: Yeah. Uh it's Project Three Ninety Nine, but Project Three Ninety Nine was taken on Instagram, so all my social media handles are three ninety nine project. Okay. Um yeah. you. Same thing. It doesn't matter. You could type in three ninety I have both domains, so no worries there. <laughs> I covered that.
0: strategized
1: yeah strategized i also have the 399 project what's the
0: uh what's the differentiating factor why are you doing it there's
1: absolutely zero differentiating factor okay um it is the same carbon fiber bus frame that y'all know and fly already um i've just tweaked it to be my own Right. Like, I'm not I'm not going to be the guy who's like, I'm innovative and I've done something no one's ever done. No, everyone's done this before. I'm just taking the bits and pieces that I like of each one and making it one Frankenstein quad. Um, So. Pretty much. so like I'm doing more and more freelance work. Right. So I needed to have an LLC uh, to to cover my own ass liability wise. Um, and I was like, well, if I'm start going through all the paperwork to start my own business, might as well also sell frames again. Cause I like, I really enjoyed selling frames. That was my favorite part of being a part of X labs and show me what you got was like, just like talking to people and packing frames. And then you go to a race and there's a bunch of people flying your frame. And that's like the coolest thing ever, um, is to have people be like, yo, check it out. This is mine. And, and it's yours you know like that just that feeling that was really rad and I, yeah I really really like enjoyed that um just as therapeutic honestly um and just like packing frames and making frames and like sourcing from China is a real good time are you confused about something that's happening in your house
0: uh my dog was drinking water and it sounded like something not so chill <laughs> <laughs>
1: But, yeah, so Project 399 is, the name is 399 because that's the legal limit of flight, right? We're limited to 400 feet, technically. That's where the 399 comes from. Um, So many days I spent in prison That's what I thought it was. Right. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. you wish. (laughs) No, it's how much my frame is going to cost. $399. Three hundred and ninety nine dollars. No. You gotta get. Uh, you
0: gotta get on those jet ready to fly. It's premium,
1: dude. Charge it's the steel premium. money.
0: Do you see his ready to flies uh-huh. built by him?
1: No, I've been actually working on maybe doing that, but not to charge the steel monies, but because you should be do that, but just don't charge
0: fourteen hundred dollars for a five inch. Yeah, um, no,
1: I'm, I'll charge uh, whatever the cost of it is plus a markup that makes it worth my time. Yeah, um, and I mean that's so like. That's I'd love. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, markup. Let's talk about markup after this. Yeah. Remind me of that. Uh, but three ninety nine project is, or project three ninety nine. I see. Like I, I, still haven't even decided. Let's just call it the three ninety nine. Um, <laughs> yeah. So three ninety nine is just my little frame company that I'm going to be selling out of this one bedroom apartment. Um, but it's I got I hit up Moke, Travis, my old roommate. Uh, and I was like, yo, man, I've been trying to design a frame myself, but it looks like a 12 year old drew it. Right? Like, I spent a bunch of time learning Fusion 360 and SolidWorks and, like, designing my own frame, and I did, and it would be functional, but it was, uh, like, you know, it. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. Know. Yeah. It, it was like a 12 year old was like, this is what a drone looks like. Um, so I hit up Travis and I was like, "Yo, man, here's my design I made. Can you just make it again, but good?" Um, and that's what he did. Uh, he designed what is I'm calling the Super G.
2: Ooh, that's ski um, term,
1: though. Yeah, ski terms. Uh, well, because that's what Steez was coming up next. Steez. The Bodie Miller. Steez was my was my name that I I threw into that that so Steez. Already took it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> myself. or. I did that Zexel. to myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I, I, Super G was the next step because uh, that was my favorite skiing. Because uh, I used to do racing when I was much, much, much younger. Yeah. Um, and Super G was my favorite discipline. Um, so what it is is it's a normal – it's a Reaver blackout clone. With a twist. Interesting. Uh, So it's got the split plate, similar to the... So you know how the reverb, if you've seen it, it's like the there's separate plates. Yep. Um, The front and the back are, like, top and bottom, which I think is incredibly smart. Like, props to them for thinking of that, because then you don't have this little X plate, Mm -hmm. you know, thing to hold the arms together on the bottom or top. Like, it's... It's a really cool way of doing it. So I took that one step further, and the plates are actually identical, right? Which so is then, smart,
0: too, for, like, modular shit.
1: Right, and for spares, right? Yeah. You don't need to have two different spares now. You only need one because it's the same part. Um, so that was my tweak to the reverb, uh, and that's about as reverb as this gets, um, which, you know, I don't think they're the first people to do that. No. But they're the most popular, so that's why we... Give them the credit, because that's how the world works. It's a popularity contest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I added flight control, soft-mounted bobbins. Which so is the feature balling. I
0: probably stood out most to me. Right.
1: When I first so saw this it. was a feature on the uh, DB5 laser, which is Duncan Bocion's, uh frame that he worked in collaboration with TransTech, which is a Chinese company, frame company. Um, and they use these bobbins and I was flying his racing frame for IO and for like the last part of this summer season Um, and I really 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 loved having those bobbins because first of all it makes it so you know for a fact that it's soft mounted especially if the flight controller bobbins are being used so I use like the hobby wing stack so it's like the bolts are soft mounted and the boards are soft mounted so it's for sure, super good. I, I hope. Um, yeah, so as you know, I don't actually know what I'm doing. FYI. Well, I can apply uh, with a more bent
0: prop now, at least. Yeah,
1: yeah. Or it's like just those little weird vibes that if you have like grit in your motors or bad bearings, it hopefully won't affect it as much. So I, but the other benefit of that is, so because these plates are identical, you actually can put like the bolts through the bottom so you can assemble your whole frame, and then you just put the long bolts through, and you can build, like, you know, back with, like, the C's and the BRAP and stuff, like, the arms were part of the bolts, right? Yeah. So to get to those bolts that hold the flight controller, you had to, like, literally unscrew what was holding part of the arm. But now it's, you like, I can have it assembled fully like this, and then put bolts in and have the flight controller stacked which is really, really makes ease of building and all of that stuff.
0: Definitely super easy. Um, and I feel, you know, like the bobbins and like little touches like that. Obviously, it's a quad frame, so you can only get so creative with the basic design. But mm-hmm. I feel that the details is what really makes shit right. shine. And it's really overlooked, the details, you know, because the more mechanically sound your setup is, the less your software is going to have to do.
1: Right, exactly. So that's another thing I did was these arms are actually 6 mil. Oh, dang. Um, which I don't see many frames doing. Um, and it's pretty freaking incredible how rigid and stiff this frame is just from the 6 mil arms. So I have a 5 mil version, which is what I've been prototyping with. Um, but in order to have... The 5mm arms, my standoffs in the front had to be 27mm. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really feel like pissing anyone off, where they're like, shit, I need a spare standoff, but where do I buy 27mm standoffs? And I'm the only dude who sells, and Catalyst Machine Works has 27mm standoffs. Yeah, it's a very uh, odd height, though. Yeah, but I don't, like, fuck that shit, man. Uh, and that is the sole reason I went up to 6mm. Um, Not because it's stiffer, but because it makes it so you don't have to fuck with, you know, you can just use 28 mil standoffs. Way easier to deal with. Uh, And those actually exist. You can buy them on, like, Amazon Prime. Um, But then the benefit came when I built this was, like, oh, my God, it's, like, the most stiff, rigid frame I've ever, like, it doesn't flex at all. And I thought 5 mil frames didn't flex at all. But next to this, they flex for sure. Um, And I don't know, like, I haven't done the testing yet to find out if that's actually a good thing. Right? Like, maybe the flexing dampens everything a bit. I I don't know. If
0: it doesn't, then it's going to be awesome until your first crash. Like, that's the only place I see flexing being an issue. Like, the thing's going to, the stiffer, the better for, you know, until you... Well,
1: maybe. Because maybe it's like glass. Right? Like... Glass is really rigid, so it breaks. Yeah. Where plastic is more ductile, so it will bend and be okay. So maybe having the stiffer arms will make them break more. I don't know.
0: Right, but then you could also argue, like, for me, when I'm chasing, like, crystal clear video, I would rather have a part black and white fail than, Mm -hmm. you know, like, be chasing, like, a delaminated arm that I can't really see but is causing... Like, it's kind of how I feel right. about props. Like, you know, I would rather just, like, fuck up a prop. Like, I want to be able to fly it back, but I'm one of those people that, like, if I crash super hard, even if my prop looks all right, like, my all my props look all right, I'll change
1: them anyway. Right. Right. Exactly. So will I. And that's, like, the benefit of having a propeller sponsor. Thanks, Azure. Um,
0: <laughs> nice plug, bro. <laughs> hashtag Azure
1: Power. Uh, no, dude, they're a great company. They send me 40 props a month. If I ask. I don't ask for 40 props a month because that's an astronomical amount. Or 40 sets of props, sorry. Yeah, that's a
0: lot. Especially yeah, if you're flying lot. long range where, like, if you crash, yeah, you got way bigger right. issues than props.
1: Right. I, I was actually going through that during the summer, during, like, racing and practicing and stuff. But not not now. Um, but then, so, Travis is the man for designing this for me. Uh, they're, they're just about in production. I just ordered the first batch of 50. Um, I just got all the hardware. It's on this coffee table. I haven't cleaned up because my girlfriend's not here at the moment. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So it's a little messy uh, and just squashed it everywhere. But like, so this was like, I wanted the ultimate and it's squashed ever so slightly. It's like hard to tell. Yeah. What made you go with that? Uh, To get the props out of you. So I've been doing more and more gigs, like filming stuff. Right. Um, And you can't have the propellers in view when you're filming stuff. Um, That's the reason for the long body and the squash. (laughs) Just to get the props out of you. Do you feel Uh,
0: like a negative difference at all? Or, you you know, like the trade-off's worth it for sure?
1: No. It's so, so, so minimal that, like, a couple extra points in P on the pitch axis will negate any of the problems. Yeah. Um, having yeah. a big square block like a GoPro Hero on the front will cause way more, like, characteristics issues because you now have, like, an air dam in the front than just a bit of squash. Um, yeah, no, I I honestly, personally can't feel the difference of stretch squash and true x they all feel the same to me as long as they're tuned properly. Yeah,
0: that's what I feel like proper tune might be like one of the most overlooked categories in the FPV. Right, community. it's
1: more way way more important than the shape of the drone. So, speaking of shape of the drone, I just got this, dude. This
0: is what I wanted to ask you about so bad because that's Ooh. the one I'm going to buy.
1: So this is the same exact body. Just with massive seven-inch dead cat arms, um, yeah, and I want everything
0: cat, about dude. that. Dude, I
1: love how dead cat looks. The funny thing is, to like balance out the GoPro in the front, though, you have to put the battery like way the fuck back here. Fuck, um, <sighs> dude, I just want gets that. a, gets a little no one. No one's gonna be able to
0: see this, but uh,
1: yeah, hey, it looks. Fucking what size dope.
0: battery you running on that?
1: Uh, probably. I don't. I don't have any batteries. No one makes a good big 6S battery. Really? Well, Thunderpower does, but they're like a hundred dollars. Yeah, um, you gotta get that like, fucking
0: endorsement deal, bro. It,
1: they're actually a sponsor of mine. I just haven't talked to them in a while, um, but you know, there's all these twenty two hundred five Ss, but like, can I'd love for like someone like Surge or someone from China Hobby Line or like whatever one of these cheap companies to just. Just add another cell for us long-range boys, you know? Um, but, yeah, so that's the same exact body as the Super-G, just with different arms. Um, and that would segment really, really, really well into... And that actually hasn't flown yet. I built it yesterday. Uh, and I had some stuff to do today, so I wasn't able to fly it. But that segues really well into my margins thing.
0: Yeah. Way to remember.
1: Dude. Those arms cost me thirty dollars a set.
0: For the big one.
1: Yeah. Damn. So for dude. four arms.
0: Yeah. It's you're almost ten, it's 10 like, bucks. Yeah,
1: you're like eight. Dude, it's like seven. I think they're like yeah, they're like seven bucks a piece. Yeah. Well, because it's six mil carbon and they're huge. <laughs> like they're big
0: arms. Elise is going on a setup that like. I mean, you're right, not going to be shouldn't. flying that thing in terms well, of crashing you're not all the time. Break that
1: shit, it's not going to break if you crash it, dude. Six yeah. mil, your ass arms, it's not going to break either way. Um, so it's going to be like so that segments me really well, I think, into that that margins thing where there's the difference of the premium frame and the and the the cheaper frame. Yeah, right? and it's. It's really hard to to get those margins down, man. Everyone's like, "How does your frame cost more than, uh, you know, forty dollars?" And it's like, "Well, so if I have an Excel spreadsheet, um, that breaks down how much each like screw costs me, and it's like the bolts and screws are like two or three cents, right?" Um, but then the carbon's like, it's like three bucks a plate here and a three bucks a plate there. And it's like five bucks an arm there. And it's, and then it's like 50 cents a bobbin and it's 20 cents a standoff. And there's eight of them. And I want to include an extra one because I want to be a good guy. And then I also want to include a GoPro mount because why the fuck would you buy a goddamn freestyle quad that That, doesn't also include a GoPro mount? Um, and so it ends up being like forty bucks at cost for me, which is and a lot. then right, and then I got to make twenty bucks to make my make it worth my time. Um, so now you're up to sixty bucks, and then if I want to have retailers be able to sell it, they have to make a margin, right? And I'll give them twenty bucks. So now we're talking about an eighty dollar frame, and then everyone bitches and moans that that's expensive and it's you know, that I'm just trying to rob them and become rich. It's.
0: Yeah. I feel like when you talk about the maturity of FPV, that's, uh, we're, we're below that right now in that sense, because I feel like the FPV chase has been, you know, what's the cheapest, what's, what can get me in the air the fastest, yada, yada. But with that frame being a seven inch to me, that's more of like, you know, that's that's like, that's, yeah, that's a very niche item. It's a specialty made item. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know of all people to like be putting their name on a frame designing one and whatnot like your opinion is a tax on it too you know like it's the portion well, tax yeah.
1: so well, a lot of people say oh it's because the r&d costs i i kind of gotta agree that that's bullshit um, yeah because the r&d costs cost... aren't dude it's my time like yeah. it's not costing me jack shit. and it's not like it's fucking... your time outside of what you'd be
0: normally doing
1: right yeah no like it's not r&d for me it's for me to sell it to be worth my time to be selling it i need to make 20 dollars a frame yeah right like i don't think that's too hard to ask um and then if if a if a store is selling it they need to be able to make 20 bucks too like 20 bucks seems like a reasonable number for me um and i hope it does for the the rest of the people i mean that's a very, um, if
0: you think about that percentage wise that's a very reasonable number
1: yeah, like twenty bucks. Like I Forever, made a thing yeah. for you, and I am shipping it to you. Give me twenty extra bucks for doing that, in yeah. addition to like the cost of the thing. And it doesn't seem dope that far fetched, right? Um, so I've thing. been like half tempted to just make my like Excel doc public, just to be like, this is how much literally everything costs. Like you can go and make those things too, but I did it for you. So because I did it for you, give me twenty dollars. And then because the pyro is selling it to you, also give him 20 bucks.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's a pretty dope marketing strategy in terms of, like, transparency and being genuine. Right.
1: So if I get enough flack, I might just make this stock public. Do um, that.
0: Yeah. But haters you know, are a good thing, man. You're doing it right if yeah. you've got haters.
1: Yeah. But, I, well, it's not me. It's more just so that's those of things I see on Facebook but don't comment on. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then I comment on later. Well, I mean, yeah,
0: and fucking Christian launched the craft quads at one thirty,
1: right? And that's because that's his like he's got a job and that that takes time. So for him, material cost is like 40, 50 bucks, and he's got to make forty bucks because his his time is worth more than mine. And he's paying,
0: <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, he's
1: essentially right. Like he's using U.S. based carbon and he's cutting it himself, and mine's like Chinese carbon. That actually, so I found this guy. Um, and he has the most incredible carbon ever. So I'm very, incredibly envious of Buhan John of X. Like, if you were like, who's got the best carbon in the game? Buhan John's got the best carbon in the game. Like, for sure. Like, you've seen the Astrox stuff, yeah. right? It's beautiful. It's super um, sexy. It's so sexy. And, like, I... I would love to be able to emulate that and to, like, you know, that's another piece of someone else's innovation. And that's, I think, the artist side of me, right? Art is taking bits and pieces of the things that inspire you and making your own thing. Um, And 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 I still need to look
0: at my quad and think it looks cool. Like, even though it seems trivial, like, I still need that little fuck yeah.
1: And so I really would love to have Boohoo John Carvin because it's fucking beautiful. Um, But... I haven't been able to really nail down, you know, how to do that. But, anyways, I found this guy, and he makes this ultra, ultra matte. You you won't be able to tell unless you, like, held it in your hand. But I'm getting him to actually sand the edges for me. Okay. So, like, when you you hold it compared to, like, you know, an armitan or, like, who, that's who used to cut our frames, or CNC drone parts. Um, who was the next person who used to cut our frame. Uh, I say R still, even though I'm no longer a part of Show Me What You Got.
0: It's, is it still a thing? A show Me What You Got, it's or is it just X-Labs or whatever?
1: So Show Me What You Got was, like, the brand slash us making those videos. um, and then i quit when i moved out here because i had been i felt like i had been running the company on my own yeah um, with only you know and i didn't own any of the company um so like that's another reason why i'm like starting my own thing cuz i I'd, I'd really enjoyed doing the business side of things and i really want to continue doing that but back on subject of like you hold this and it's like soft like it's not soft, like, like fluffy.
0: No, but it's like soft, like like soft edges.
1: Yeah, like it just like the user experience of just holding it. You're like, ooh, you know that feels and looks good, and that's that's like what I get whenever I picked up a, a Astro X Frame. Is I'm like, ah, oh, oh, this looks so good. It's oddly you know? satisfying, and that's, and that's what people try to do with the beveled edges. Yeah, right. Is but the problem with beveled edges is it's. There's. The major con is it actually makes your carbon weaker. Right? So the strongest parts of carbon are the furthest edges. Because yeah. carbon is strong from the sandwich. So the furthest edges are what have the most tension on them. Right? When it twists or flexes. So then when you cut the fucking furthest edges off. You cut the strongest part of what's holding the goddamn carbon together off. And it's like, come on. And then you're creating all these little micro fractures because you're just machining it further. Like, beveled edges is this fad. It's like uh, canted wheels. Yeah. You know? You know? Like, sure, all these dudes think it looks cool, but it's stupid. Yeah, there's no function to it, and i, I yeah. mean, I totally agree. What
0: about what about, yeah. uh, what about for, forged carbon?
1: So forged carbon is a really cool idea, and I need to do more testing. So, for those who don't know, uh, Stinger Swarm and uh, Xever V2, Xever the V2 frame, his yeah. new frame is made out of forged carbon, and it looks fucking sexy. And that's that part we were talking about with, like, the user experience of being like, oh, fuck yeah, this thing is rad. Like, you want to love your quad because it's rad. Yeah. Um, and, it, and forged carbon looks rad. The the benefit of forged carbon from a manufacturing standpoint is you can injection mold it. Because it's, like, these short threads of fibers... Um, they can make complex forms, like in the Ferraris and in the the Caldwell golf clubs and stuff. Instead of like having to hand wrap around a mold, they can just injection mold carbon bits. So, not, from manufacturing one standpoint, sec. my dog's getting in the trash
0: and I can hear it.
1: Okay, <laughs> go get, go get
0: that. All right, sorry, I gotta let him back in like fifteen minutes, but I dropped an onion behind the trash can earlier, and I know about it, and he found it too. <laughs>
1: But yeah, so forged carbon looks rad, um, and from a manufacturing standpoint, it's easier to manufacture because it's less laborious, right? You can just injection mold the carbon complex yes. object. Um, now, I like I love Daniel and I love Kevin and like all those guys, and it looks really cool, but it's. It's, so, in theory, it should be significantly cheaper to forge carbon, right? That's why Ferrari and Caldwell and all these companies do it, because instead of having a person wrapping the carbon and, like, doing all that, it's just injection molded, right? You can bust out carbon parts. Uh, and because it's all short uh, threads or short fibers it's it, and the fibers aren't aligned, it's kind of just strong in all directions, um, and where carbon gets a strength is in the, in the long fibers and having them be under tension. Um, so forged carbon looks rad, but in that application of where you're just injecting it out into a sheet and then cutting it again, doesn't really make sense. Um, and this is, like, my Google understanding, right? Like, I'm no, no not an expert in any way, shape, or form. This is what 45 minutes of Googling around about what the fuck Forge Carbon is yeah. has taught me. And that's what, that's what I'm just parroting to you. So from my understanding, Forge Carbon's really good because it's cheap and easy to manufacture. And it's strong just, like, all directions instead of, like, a specific way. Um, and I'm sure it's not cheaper to get it put into sheets and then cut it again because I'm sure not very many people are making sheets of forged carbon because it's kind of counterintuitive to what forged carbon is. Um, and then, and then for the drone frame, like it actually, like it might be better or it might not be, I'm not sure. Um, so like in our arm, right, let's look at a quad arm. The fibers are going along the – well, in a properly cut fart uh, quad arm. The fibers are going along the length of the carbon, right? Right. And that's what makes it so strong when you pull or push on it is because you're causing tension in those fibers. Now, but because of that, torsionally, it's not as strong. That's where it, when they delaminate, they start twisting around, right? So then when you have forged carbon, in theory, it's strong – both in pushing, pulling, twisting, turning, all the directions, but not as strong as it, just the pushing and pulling of normal carbon. So it's like this jack-of-all-trades sort of thing. Um, so it might be better if you're cutting plates. But where forged carbon would really properly shine is if something like the TBS Vendetta, right? Or like that F U R C, you know the the carbon ball, I forget what it what it's called. But like things like that, where it's like this monocoque frame, and there and then it's way easier to produce because you can just fucking injection mold pump them out. Um, so it's it's rad. It looks cool. I'm super duper duper curious if it's better. Because maybe it is like maybe having this jack of all trades, strong in all directions, makes it really good.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like it's a hard maybe for me personally. I don't know, right? Because right? it, but, like, you know, are you flying long range where most of your flight is forward, kind of like like for me, like the dead cat arms makes sense for that. Like with your seven inch, it's mm-hmm. like you know ninety eight percent of your flight is going to be forward based. Whereas if you're like creating something like you know, an Astro X, like a Johnny frame or something, you're going to be doing crazy maneuvers or like that's what it's designed to do. So in that sense, I can see it having different benefits. But the thing that I really think about is, you know, the resonance of it for frequency versus weaved carbon, because Uh, I've always thought of a quad as like a tuning fork, right? It's got four Uh tuning forks in all directions basically. And so I don't know, you know, like soft mounting, making stiffer carbon, all that stuff. Like, I still don't know what's best, but uh, I do feel like some frames carry noise and resonance more than others. And I forget the guy's name, but he hit me up in an email, and you know who you are out there. But he was testing frames with a hammer tap and a gyro data logger so that motor noise was out of the equation, and he could just tap it with a hammer tap and see what the noise would do in the frame. Oh. Right? Yeah. Next That's level. That's crazy. But, so, <laughs> so I did, and when I worked at Quad Questions, they, we sold a forged carbon frame, and it was, like, it was sick. Did same, you really? Yeah. What was it called? Uh, Like, the Super B or something. It was very oddly shaped. It looked like it was, like, out of an Avatar movie or something. Huh. And it had, like, look, the front arms were lower than the back arms. You know, it was, like, on a bias yeah. or whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, like the, the Inspire carbon booms, those are forged carbon booms. That's why yeah. they look so rad, right? And I think it's, DJI does that just because it's cheap.
0: Yeah, to mold like, it just, totally. Yeah. They,
1: yeah. So, um, yeah, fuck, I don't know, man. Yeah. But, you know. like it, Yeah, it's really cool, and it looks rad, and I love that they're doing that, right? Like, they had this goal. They were like, we want to make a forged carbon mini quad frame and we're going to fucking do it. Yeah. That's what they did. So like it's totally the first one more power to them.
0: Like first major I just lost one, yes.
1: I, I lost your audio.
0: Sorry, first major one. There you go. It's the first, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah, that's... like other than your weird one that no one's heard about. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I I think it's really cool and I love that kind of like drive, right? Um and I'd I told Kevin, I said, hey, I want a version of my frame in Forge Carbon. And, like, all the stuff I said previously, like, I'm not trying to talk shit. It's more, that's, like, my process when I research things, right, is I'm very much a put yourself in different people's shoes and, like, look through it from all perspectives, even if you don't believe it. Yeah. Um, Like, I was the kid in high school in debate. That loved we like were forced to do debate. I wasn't actually like in debate class just to cover my bases there. <laughs> yeah. um, but like I, I loved being on the opposite side of the argument than I that I believed myself. You know. Yeah. Um, I'm all for like that that uh, critical thinking. Right. Is you, if you look, can, are able to look at everything from all the different perspectives, then you will be making the right choice. Um, and so, like, I'm not trying to knock X-Hover for the Forge Carbon. I really think that's a rad idea, and it, like, totally could be better. Um, but from my research, uh, it should be cheaper, but it's probably not for them because no one's using Forge Carbon in that way. So they're, like, adding an extra step and, like, is it really worth it? Yeah. But there's only one way to find out. Well, those aren't, like, those
0: aren't – you're not knocking it. You're just adding question marks to things.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's – that is exactly why I don't uh, join in on Facebook arguments.
0: Yeah. Fuck that. It's It's, the best frame in the world. I fly it. That's why – well, because whatever, South like South. a lot
1: of the time, I I put down like that kind of constructive thinking, right? Like I'll be like, "But what about this?" A lot of people think that's like that's what Jordan Temkin thinks, and like the hate train starts, right? And I'm like, "No, man, I was just asking the question." Like, I wonder too. <laughs> well, like yeah, like <laughs> on that actually, face or Instagram post that they they posted oh. the forged carbon release, I said, "Hey." that's really rad. Wouldn't that make it cheaper? And I got, a, you know, like I, I got a bunch of flack for that because, because that's in the industry of carbon. That's what forged carbon is, is it's cheaper manufacturing because it's injection moldable. And I got a bunch of flack from people saying that I was being an asshole and that it's that they're, you know,
0: you just think you're sick not true. you've been flying for five years and shit.
1: <laughs> Fucking dumbass. Yeah. But it's more about, I, I want people to to think, you know, it's more about open your minds, think about it, just yeah. talk, let's have a conversation.
0: It's a reoccurring um, topic on the podcast, is like the hate of the community and everything, and it I really bet. goes, like, when I think about my favorite pilots, like, all of them put together, literally every one of them flies a different setup. Yeah, because it know? doesn't
1: matter, dude. The frame doesn't matter. I said it.
0: It, I mean, none of it matters. Like you can, you can make well, a lot of.
1: Oh. There's a like you could still be flying thirteen oh two on. No, S, but I'm but... saying
0: like all the hot <laughs> topics like beta flight, butterfly flight one frames, like all that shit. Like I've seen great right. kiss setups. I've seen great butterfly beta like
1: well, they're was, all out there. I just hit you up the other day about that. Yeah, you know, didn't I? Yeah, you did. I was like, you flying kiss, and you're flying race flight or. It's not Race Flight, but I'm still going to call it Race Flight. Don't worry. I, was, um, I still do. And I, yeah. And I fly Beta Flight just because that's, like, what I have. Um, it's And I, am I like, try and stay away from all of that whoever did something bad thing. Um, Dude. But,
0: yeah, yeah I,
1: I ignore I ignore all of that. Uh, but for me, like, I want to fly whatever works and whatever, you know, people give me stuff to fly. <laughs>
0: yeah I mean that's a huge factor of it too and even if I'm not flying that setup like you like why you hit me up I want to be versed in like what it offers
1: right yes and, exactly it, and I'm so I can learn about if if race flight does fly well so I can actually have like an informed conversation about it
0: exactly and they all have their pros and cons like for me, if I was building a long range rig it would be hands down beta flight why. Just because, like the OSD GPS, like all that stuff, oh, right? You right, know, it's right, just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and for long range, I feel like I'm not doing things to my quad in space that push out the like faults of my tune as much.
1: Yes, yeah, you're not like doing split s's over trees into your own prop wash.
0: Exactly. Kinda. You know, yeah. so, like, for, in that sense, like, to me, Flight 1 is the best. Like, it filters everything, and you can tune it to an Unreal level. But, you know, they all have, like like we were saying, they all have their pros and cons. And, like, I mm-hmm. built that KISS V2 setup, and it was the easiest, like, from soldering it up to it flying right process ever.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, that's, we, I used to fly KISS exclusively, you know, you years ago maybe even more than that but like yeah I mean like I love I, I'm, I'm not really brand oriented in that way uh, I fly Betaflight because Hobbywing is my one of my biggest supporters and their stuff's Betaflight so I fly Betaflight and cause the OSD back when Kiss you had to have a mini M which you still do what the Fuck, fly do we know. Yeah, I don't like, know. dude, <laughs> yeah. so when I asked you that question, I was like, I was about to buy the KISS V2 flight controller, and then I was like, wait, it doesn't have a fucking OSD that tells me anything, Right. and I have to buy a fucking Mini-M and wire that, like, no, I'm not going to do that.
0: Yeah, or you got to get that, like, like KISS v P- or, or that steel PDB with the whole setup in it. Right, and then
1: I need to fly an alien. Right. And, and that's, you know... I have my own frame, so why would I do that? So, right. Yeah. yeah. That's that pisses me off. Like, Kiss, come, like, Flyduino needs to make a proper flight that, controller. That's that with, with the, the combination already.
0: of their price and not having an all-in-one ESC would be my, yeah.
1: you know, like in terms of I mean, actual flight with, feel. I'm fine with like, like putting it together with a hobby wing ESC. That's yeah.
0: I mean, I would. I would be fine with yeah, that but too, but I think there's their
1: ESCs ma- are pretty special, aren't they? Yeah,
0: yeah. Like I mean, their ESCs were very special, but yeah, uh, especially
1: way back then when like ESCs were pretty junk and they were. Get that food. Afro
0: thirteen, amp, yeah. Bruh. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um But yeah, they need to step it up a bit, and yeah. then and then and then Race Flight. Like I always like my joke is I, sometimes I get Race Flight curious. Um, it's
0: literally what you sent me.
1: Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> it makes me giggle every single time. <laughs> yeah, I feel but like, like if... I, I want to build it because I I I I see all these guys flying it, and your shit looks smooth as fuck. And I'm like, I want a quad that flies that way.
0: Yeah, because it so all comes back down to the flying, where, right? That's Not where this quad is right
1: here. Yeah,
0: I can't. I can't so... wait to see what you think.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm super. And my problem, my my previous problems with RaceFlight were always, uh, it was super specific to five inch, and I've always been like trying to get six inch to fly well.
0: I would it, totally it, agree with that too. Like I didn't it, run run it on my six inch.
1: Right, RaceFlight is programmed in such a way that it flies really well, like on the setups that they're designing the software for. And outside of that realm, it doesn't work. Where beta flight's like, got some leeway. You know, you can build the next class and it will fly all right ish. And um, so everyone's clear,
0: we're talking about like a 2% difference, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I not think you much. only
0: get, you know, you're not going to like be in your first six months of flying and like no. outfly any of these setups.
1: No, this is this we're talking about when I'm watching. So I'm actually on a 42 inch 4K monitor as my computer monitor. Um, so even like the buttery smoothest Johnny video looks like shit on this. Yeah, because everything's like jittering. You just like shrink the, it down, bro. <laughs> dude, the air <laughs> blaster, fucking GAB 707 ultra hyper smooth, real steady stuff still like jitters on the screen because it's so big. Yeah. Um, so I'm like really, really, really sensitive to jitters because of that. Um, and all my quads jitter and I just like live with it. And then I watch it on my phone. Like 90% of people watch videos and I'm like, damn, it
0: looks Dude, Look at that butter. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to let my dog in real quick. Um, so on your mountain setups that you fly and like post all your videos in, what's your average flight time on your setups? I'm always curious.
1: Oh, yeah. Everyone's like, oh, I need to build a long-range rig so I can do the flying you do. I um, yes. <laughs> All the videos are on my five-inch freestyle quad. Thank you, dude. If you're like
0: the fourth person to say it of, like, you know, vested pilots. It's like, you, you don't, don't need, need the setup.
1: You anything special. Right. No. Uh, that goes for everything and anything. You don't need a setup. You just go do it. Um it does help to, like, have it be a success setup. Um, so I'll give you my gear rundown. Uh, Hobbywing is my biggest help. They send me thousands of dollars worth of stuff when I ask for it. They also pay me a salary, um, and they're awesome people. Uh, so, And I was already flying their stuff, actually, before they brought me on the team. So it, it worked out when they were like, hey, we want to actually support you. And um, so I, I fly their stuff mostly out of respect, not out of, um, like, law, right? They're not like, hey, you can't fly those T-motors. You're banned. Yeah. We're not going to get – you know, like, I do it because they – they and I, I do believe that their motors are the shit. Um, yes, uh, the G2 ESC has had a problem. Um. As you've probably seen online, they just had they kind of catch on fire sometimes. Remember, um, a lot of a lot of those issues are people try and slam the flight controller um, and the ESC together without spacing them apart. And the flight controller has an SD card slot on the bottom that's all metal, and so it touches the ESC. Yeah, metal plus ESC with current equals fire. Um. And sometimes they do, there's like definitely a, some weird thing. Um, but their motors are the shiz. Um, I had a local racer dude who had was racing the brother hobby motors, which were theoretically exactly the same as the as the hobby wing ones. and then he put built a quad with the hobby Wing motors and was like boom. Um, because they do a few things. it's like little details like their laminations are 0.1 mil. Instead of, or they're 1 mil instead, you know, like they're slightly thinner. They're 1 mil instead of 1.5 mil or something like that, Um, which gives you more power. Um, But so, like, their motors are really good. Even if you don't want to fly the ESC, you should still fly the motors. Um, But my setup is the new 2306 1600 kV. Uh, motors, which are great for long range, because I can cruise probably five or six minutes with like a 6S1300. Yeah. And five or six minutes is like, that's like two plus kilometers.
0: Yeah. People, you know, like before you get into flying in the mountains. And
1: one kilometer is really far. Like most people would be incredibly uncomfortable with one kilometer. Two kilometers would make most all FPV pods go, nah, fuck that shit. Yeah, dude. Um,
0: especially in an FPV camera, like, right. when you have the goggles on with that wide angle and you turn around at, like, a mile out and look back at where you flew from, you're mm. like, it's like, it's like the ocean.
1: Right. <laughs> Who, where where am I? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I use uh, Hobbywing G2 stack, which makes my building only take, like, an hour because I yeah. just, like, screw the frame together, and yeah. then it's just all I have to do is solder the motors on, and I'm done, and I love that. Um, and then it's you know the usual TBS shit, uh, TBS Unify, TBS Nano Crossfire. I've been flying the Crossfire since it came out.
0: What do you, do you mostly life. run 100 uh, I, a
1: hundred watts? I would when I'm flying right? around like park flying kind of stuff, a uh, hundred milliwatts. If I'm racing, twenty five milliwatts. If I'm long ranging, five hundred milliwatts. You can um, go five hundred like religiously. If I'm doing long range, yeah, just because. Yeah. There is absolutely zero reason to ever do two watts.
0: Yeah, totally. I
1: like ever. I ever ever.
0: Yeah, I've or
1: even one watt, dude. Like, unless you're flying like through Wouldn't five hundred buys you like what
0: ten mile like almost guaranteed link.
1: Yeah, and if you're having like control issues and you're on five hundred milliwatts, you are doing something wrong your antenna is placed incorrectly um and
0: people always like or, long you know when you're flying up a mountain you're going up and away like it's awesome signal if you keep line of sight
1: right especially if you're in the mountains where there is no noise floor like right. you're in the middle of fuck nowhere um yeah i mean 90% of like crossfire issues or any control related issues or any video, like it's antenna placement like right? it's like hitting the knoll, it's shoving your, your, uh, so actually I learned something really cool yesterday. I was over at Benson's last night, uh, build, learning how to build a sleeved dipole antenna. Totally unrelated. Cool. But he has this like, you know, a uh, uh, a little antenna analyzer thing. I don't even know what it's called.
0: A oscilloscope? Um, no.
1: No. Something else. But it's got this little thing and you're trying to get the number down to one. Which I believe is the axial ratio. You're trying to get it down to one. That's like one is good. Um, And just like having. I'm going to pull out my uh, Immortal T here just to show you. But like, I had the Immortal T hooked up to that little analyzer thing. And most all my frames, I have the antenna like in the front of it, right? In the body. And so having it here in the front of the nose versus having it half a centimeter back where the tips touch the carbon went from, like, a one to a six. Like, it's, like, the, the, the amount of change of having the antenna near carbon or near things is, like, incredible. Like, just being able to, like... So let's say your antenna is mounted on your top plate flat, and having, like, two layers of VHB to bring it a couple millimeters off the carbon will make your range, like, tenfold. Like, it's fucking insane. And, like, I didn't even know that, and I'd, like, do long range all the time, and, like, I've been fine for the most part, but...
0: The mountains definitely have a lot to do with that. Like the noise floor and shit, I feel
1: like. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, I mean, I'm always aware of my nulls and I'm, like, staring at my link quality the whole time I'm flying. Yeah. Um, uh, So that's, like, antenna placement and antenna position are so important. It blows my mind that I never really – because I shove my – like, Benson hates where I put my antennas, and, you know, he always gives me shit for it. Um, But, like, I I, I go fly far-ish, you know? Um, I feel like I
0: mean you might not fly the furthest, but you're one of the furthest flying pilots on a consistent level, right? Like right. And you might I not be going like six go miles close. out, but you go no. like one all the time.
1: Yeah, I, most all my flying is like I I I like to consider two k is my comfort zone. Yeah, like further than two kilometers is where I stop having fun anymore. <laughs> you yeah. know?
0: Well, you're starting to hit the limits of you know. Maybe not all gear, but, like, 90% of the gear people run. Like, it Well, if you're running like,
1: Crossfire and 5.8, dude, you can go, like, 10K, no problem. Uh,
0: totally, but I'm saying, like, battery-wise. But like, battery-wise, yeah, You know, like, all that kind of, you know.
1: Or, like, Setup. and then my rule of thumb is, like, can I hike out there and get it?
0: Dude, that's the thing. Like, when I was out there with Provo and he's like, that's a one-hour hike. You pass mm-hmm. a two-hour hike spot. And three hour. mic like, let's turn yeah. around.
1: Yeah, like, like that's far. that's definitely my mentality too. Is like, I'll fly as far as I'm willing to like to haul my ass down there. But yep. once I get past there, I'm not having fun anymore because I could just lose a thousand bucks and like, that sucks. Don't that's the worst, lose dude. A thousand
0: bucks like that. It's cool Especially to hear that GoPro. you still have that like mentality, even though you know you're like a. Sponsored pilot. Oh,
1: yeah. Like, even though I get all my motors and ESCs and flight controllers for free. Yeah. But I still do pay for my BTX batteries, uh, frames, controller, cameras, GoPros. GoPro is the biggest cost, right? Like,
0: dude, I just need a broken one to take back. That's all I need. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> dude, I just swapped both of my GoPros for 7s. And he was like, "What's wrong with it?" And I, I straight up would just said, "Oh, the Wi-Fi's been acting funny." But I honestly just want to upgrade to the seven. And he was like, "All right, cool, cool, yeah." And it cost me like forty bucks to upgrade to a seven. Yeah, my I six. need to upgrade.
0: I, I upgraded one, but I still have a six and a five.
1: Yeah, I, would, I was like, "All right, I guess that worked out better than expected." <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, great. He's like, "I don't give a fuck." Like,
1: yeah. Dude, I've been having problems with HyperSmooth, though.
0: Dude, fuck HyperSmooth, man.
1: I can't... Have you gotten it to work well? Never.
0: I tried a bunch of different frame rates, different, you Dude,
1: know... what? Like, how... Okay, so, because I've watched videos of people who got HyperSmooth to work really, really well, and I don't... I don't get it. To me, I think... The one thing I've learned is I think light has a lot to do with it. Right, it has to be, like, incredibly bright blue sky noon with super-duper high shutter speed. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and uh, yeah. I'm not about that life. Like that's,
1: no, that's I don't fly sex.
0: during that time of day. That's when I run my errands right. and eat my food and like right. do my shit. Yeah, and uh, and I don't record in super high frame rates unless I'm like chasing something.
1: Right. Yeah. That's that. So that's like I have that Solomon gig coming up and or had come up. Um, and I I need to like make sure all my stuff can record in 120 fps without pooping itself.
0: Yeah. Do you uh, you ever hype up, jump on that uh, real study train?
1: Uh, I've owned it for a couple of years. Uh, it took me uh, almost a year and a half to figure out how the fuck to export properly. Um, it's it's really it works really well when it works. I have no idea how to make it work. I don't have the patience to wait two hours to have a fifteen second video render. Dude, it's and so like, long. I, Dude, I don't have, like, a weak machine, you know, like, I'm going to, for all the computer nerds out there, I got an i7 7700K that's running at 4.2 gigs of pop, you know, I got 32 gigs of RAM, I got a 1080 in there, like.
0: Yeah, no slouch. You
1: know, like, yeah, it's not a slouch. this is DRL money, you know, <laughs> like. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, MTV Dude, Cribs, was... this is my crystal, mm-hmm.
0: this is my computer. So I was
1: straight, like, <laughs> broke when I when I won DRL the first year. Um, and the first thing I did was I bought a new camera and I bought a new desktop and I bought. Uh, what else I can't remember. Did you, did you like, get that I in just, one fat check? No, 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 no. But I got like a signing bonus in the, in January. Yeah. <laughs> I got 10 grand in January and I was just spent it like instantly. Yeah. And so this is like, this is a DRL money desktop, you know? It's not fucking around, man.
0: Yeah, dude. I mean, Real Study takes a fucking minute. I've, I'm i like, yeah. I'm like three weeks in, and I, in that three weeks, I've probably spent like 150 hours rendering.
1: Dude, I just tried to render a video um, yesterday, actually, with Real Study. It, it was like 10 or 15 second clip, and I was like, it's going to be easy for Real Study to do this. And I like, did the Real Steady thing? It looked goodish in the preview, and I was like, "All right, I just want to see it like in real time because my computer still can't play." I don't think like, anybody's seen, dude. I don't, except for the Real Steady tutorial. Have you watched the Real Steady tutorial? I and watched like, them. Just all, watch yeah, the I never even now. thought about that, dude. And his preview is like buttery smooth. He's real just time. got like a
0: fucking Bitcoin dude, mining rig to dude, run his Real Steady know, program.
1: <laughs> but I was like, God damn, that's. Oh, I want that. But so I exported it took me 2 hours to render it out. Like a 10 or 15 second clip. And then I got it back and it looks like hypersmooth. You got a hold of it and it's all like fucking jelloy and
0: Yeah, dude, so what you got to do is on the playback, you got to set it to custom and do 12 frames a second. Oh. And
1: So it's just half time?
0: It's it's like it's like half frames and it cuz like so you you bring it into After Effects, I do. Right? I
1: did do the super low-res Air Blaster tactic where I have it at, like, 10 yeah. by 10 pixels. Yeah, yeah. I did that, too. Yeah.
0: So you put it into After Effects. I, you, I leave it on stock settings per Air Blaster suggestion, and mm-hmm. then do the preset for the camera where it, like, corrects the lens and everything. You can just... Mm-hmm. If you hit mm-hmm. load, it'll give you, you know, like, yeah, all the presets. GoPro presets. Run that, and then... Like you run the stabilizer once, that'll take like an hour or two, depending on the length of your clip and, and then watch it in like, you know, that shit quality. And you're not going to be able to watch, like, you know, get the full grasp, but you'll be able to tell if a frame is doing something fucked up. Right. And then you got to re-stabilize each part that's yeah. fucked up and the shorter the re-stabilized clip, the better. And then it's a mess, man. You, you, I, I, you just I do it when you go patience. to bed, like right before you go to bed, hit render and then go to sleep. That's the way to
1: do it. Right. And speaking of like air blaster, he's like killing it, dude. Yeah, he's, dude. I, I was just talking to him the other day and I was like, yo, I need to just come out and just like, be your little shadow for like a I week. I just want to enter like stage for a day, dude. Yeah, I just <laughs> want to fucking learn what is he doing that makes everything so fucking awesome. And I think it's just because he's super awesome. Um, but yeah, you learn from people who are better than you, and that's just a fact of life.
0: Definitely learn from people that are better than you. But like, I mean, I think that goes in our community too. Like. Your video in the mountains when HyperSmooth came out, where you were like, I usually run 30 frames a second 4K. I was like, fuck, I should try that. And then I did it, and I was like,
1: genius.
0: (laughs) You know, and it's not like you thought of it, but like the...
1: What, you mean running 4K 30? Yeah. You didn't run that previously?
0: Dude, I was always into higher frame rates.
1: Mm, Yeah, I love the way... Like, I'm... Pretty religious. Oh, dude, I I got a gripe here. All right. Uh, ND filters are not what give you motion blur. Shutter speed is what gives you fucking motion blur. ND filters just make it so that shutter speed has a good exposure. God damn it! Fact. It bothers me so much every time I see the. Did you use an ND filter because it's got nice motion blur? And it
0: just. I, like, I feel like fixed shutter speed was sore. probably like one of the biggest camera breakthroughs or like things I ever did to like change how my footage looks
1: yeah so I, I fly 4k 30 Fps locked at uh, one over 60th shutter speed and I also lock my ISO to either 100 200 or 400 depending on the lighting conditions um, and then I also have a kit of polar Pro Sydney series GoPros ND filters, which range from, I think it's ND1632 and, no, it's an eight. 81632, eight, right. So I have, like, all my settings are locked at 100 ISO is normally what I leave it at if possible, right, because the lower grain. Um, and then I'll swap ND filters to get the right exposure. And, like, if it's in between where I got to, like, throw a lightly slightly darker one I'll boost my ISO to 200 to get the right exposure but I'm like full manual on all everything I do
0: Yeah for me um, I thought that was the last frontier right like get your quad flying right get your thumbs doing everything the way you imagine it and then it's like how do I make it actually look better and you start caring about Full manual settings. That was a huge... For me, it's only been, like, in the last four months. But going to full manual, like, fixed shutter speed. And, uh, like, the last thing I've been fucking around with is doing fixed uh, white balance.
1: Yeah, I run on the Hero 7 a native white balance. Yeah. I did not do that on the 6 because the native white balance was wonky.
0: Interesting. Well, you got the full photography background, so...
1: Right, but they, they happened to fix it, it seems like, on the side. Yeah, so I'm like, that's the thing is, like, I have a background in photography, so I'd, I'd already know.
0: So did you care about this shit from, like, day one when you, like, first, yeah, GoPro's like, you put on?
1: yeah, I already knew how all this works. Yeah. Like, I've been using TBS Jelly guards from back when I was using the old heroes. You know, like, I, this has been a very long, it's, it's actually pretty incredible how quickly it's caught up. On the FPV crew, well, well, oh, it's a, it's a shortcut, one thing right? about NDs, dude, is like don't those NDs that are stick on, like scare me from a photography standpoint. Like, you want to have the best image possible as optically clear glass as possible, right? That's why camera lenses cost.
0: Just put an it anywhere
1: from a few hundred to yeah, like fucking sixty thousand dollars. And when you throw adhesive in between the glass, I mean, dude. So, like, imagine you were wearing glasses, and you stuck a fucking clear sticker onto your goddamn glasses. Yeah. Would you do that? <laughs> Would you do that? Man? I feel like that's a, the, the the tone, dude. I Fuck wouldn't. No. And it makes. I mean,
0: like, it's no. so simple.
1: Yeah, like that's this, and that's why I Ultimate love like their lensler. Three hundred dollars for a kid of three, dude hundred dollars for a kid of three, which is incredibly expensive. Um,
0: you break them a lot, or like, do you only put them on? I, in certain I hadn't,
1: I hadn't until if we had talked about this like last week, I would have said, "Nah, I don't break them a lot." Um, but on Saturday, I broke three in one day. Three of varying indies. <laughs> uh, I broke one, two eights, and a sixteen. So now all I have is two thirty twos and one sixteen which is like useless Because thirty two like thirty two you'll use if it's like a snowy bright sunny blue sky day on snow, yeah, right that's when you'll use a thirty two two. Eight like the
0: sweet spot huh
1: yeah eights is sunset and sunrise or if it's overcast yeah um I normally go with none or eight and then sixteen is like midday. And then thirty-two is like bright. Like sun. Snowy. Yeah.
0: Do you like, can you buy those individually or is it just a pack every time?
1: Uh so I actually called Polder Pro and I was like, yo man, I want to buy them individually. They will sell them to you for forty dollars a pop individually. Yeah, you should get an agent. I've been trying to get sponsored by them. Um, but they recently sponsored Air Blaster. Uh, so I think they don't need any more FPV pilots because he fills the best role possible for FPV pilot, like for sure. Yeah. If, I mean, if you're like, hey, there's one guy and he should be sponsored by a filter company to make cinematic cool shit, I'd be like, yeah, just. Yeah, I'll just go, give it I'll to go that go guy. Yeah. <laughs> Later.
0: <laughs> he he was the first video. That I'd seen since like Stickman, like when I came mm-hmm. across it, where I was like, like whoa, "Damn, whoa, this is different." You know, like in every sense, yeah. it's not about tricks, yeah. it's not about the hype, it's just like a moment.
1: Yeah, no, he's he is one of my biggest inf- inspirations. Uh, second inspiration is Gab. Third inspiration. That's another thing. I don't actually watch FPV videos. I do, and I don't like like
0: I'll watch them, you know, and like Brandy will be like, "You should check out this pilot or whatnot." But uh right. my inspiration yeah, do... now comes from like m- other places more.
1: Right, exactly. Like when I go on YouTube, I'm I don't I'm not like I'm gonna watch FPV videos. Uh
0: Yeah, totally, dude. I always watch.
1: I watch. Nothing, I watch car dude. stuff
0: yeah how's no. the Subi,
1: dude uh uh oh, no. it's great <laughs> no it's it's really great i'm i'm loving having that car uh i wish it was like a foot higher off the ground dude they sell kids the for that I go. yeah but that'd be then it wouldn't be as fun to drive on the road
0: Whatever. Dude, it'd be so fun with, like, some light rally suspension on it, just, like, an extra two Dude, inches. Oh my God, it would be it'd be so more fun on the road, because you could just rip potholes and shit like they
1: don't exist. Dude, speaking of which, I, I went down to southern Washington to go meet up with a buddy, um, and it's a three-hour drive on the highway, uh, but I decided to take the Forest Service roads, and it took me, like, ten plus hours, because I was just fucking power sliding on dirt roads for, like, Forty miles. It was fucking awesome. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it was a really good time. But I've actually been looking into buying like a shitty beater like Cherokee or like a, you know, something like that so I can a adventure vehicle, some to overland with. Yeah. Because uh, tacos are overpriced and Forerunners are overpriced. Uh Nissan Xterra. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and then and then the Cherokee I'm going I'm kinda I'm going towards the Cherokee solely because like they sold like some millions of them. You know? So market so saturation get, is high. Dude, like you can buy like a, a ninety five for like a thousand bucks. And if anything breaks on it, you can go to any pick and pull place and get whatever-the-fuck part you need for dirt, dirt, yeah. dirt, dirt, dirt cheap. And you can get aftermarket stuff, you know, like a lift kit for super cheap also. So that's that's my spring goals. My spring goals is to get a dope beater off-road car that I give zero fucks about. Because yeah, you, you remember my four, uh, RAV4. Yeah, dude. I remember just being dude. all packed in there with the whole crew. Dude, that thing was a piece of shit, and I, like, really miss that. I really miss having like a shitty two thousand dollar car that I don't care about, and you can land on the hood because it's spray painted. I don't care. I you mean, know. I told,
0: I went. It was a huge like ego blow for me going from like a s- sick yeah. STI to the uh-huh. Honda Accord, no but <laughs> like. Even driving across country, I was like, dude, if the worst thing happens and I have to leave this thing off the side of the road, my life will be yeah. no different tomorrow. Right. <laughs> like, right. You know?
1: I want to be able to, like, roll the car and be like, dang it. Oh, well. <laughs> well, shit.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: And the Just running the cost, most, you know, problem. like, of an older car is, like, I had to do, like, a new VTEC solenoid and wheel bearings in the rear, and I did it myself, and it was, like, 230 bucks for everything.
1: Right. Right. Right, and that that's why I'm leaning towards the Cherokee because there's like they also like produce the XJ, which is the old box one for like fucking fifteen twenty years, like some ungodly amount of time that that exact car was sold from like the mid '80s to like 2000. It's just an era, dude. So there's so many of them, and you can buy one that was like a mom highway commuter vehicle that's never been abused. You know for. Super cheap. I will now
0: abuse this.
1: Yeah, I will now abuse it for you. <laughs> yeah, I will. yeah. So I'm, I'm. That's like I'm super stoked about. It. And that's the thing is like, all of that still feeds back into FPV. Like, why do I want an off-road adventure vehicle? It's so I can go FPV in more places.
0: Yeah, and you live in the area to do it. I mean, like, not yeah. that you didn't before, but uh... yeah, not
1: yeah. I was gonna say, dude. Colorado is just as fucking awesome.
0: It was, but, uh, you know, both are equally as sick, but having, like, new terrain and new trees has got to be super sick. Yeah, just Dude, having and, like, that tall cloud trees. shit that you posted, that would have never happened ben, out here.
1: Yeah, that's – well, except for it, like, rains. Like, Benson and I have gone out a few times where it's just rained the whole time, so we just spent, like, six hours driving around scouting spots, but we only flew, like, one battery.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I didn't think about that.
1: That that kinda blows sometimes. But it's okay. also fun because then you just get to enjoy like the like that's the other thing, is like I enjoy driving. So then like tooling around. Clearly,
0: forty miles of power slides. Dude,
1: <laughs> d- dude, it actually was like that's not even an exaggeration. It took me ten plus hours to do a three a three hour drive.
0: Yeah.
1: Because I found an awesome Forest Service road that was is like I think it's like a hunting you know like that's where like the hunters go to get to their spots kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, it was a really good time. And then Dude, like that, that in was last
0: That would be one of my biggest factors for like possibly moving to Europe would be the roads to drive.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean the U.S. has got those too, man. You just Dude. gotta find them. Well, and you have to cover ground. That's the thing. Is like in Europe, you could like go to oh yeah, you in a couple hours. Yeah, like Chicago like, is
0: half the size of Colorado. Like you drive four hours in either direction, and you're like almost two countries over.
1: Yeah, yeah, and we're like, yeah, for me like, to I'm drive. It took me 30, 36 hours to drive from Colorado to here. Yeah, my dad and I did it in one sitting. We took, uh. We stopped twice and took an hour nap each time at a rest stop.
0: That's the way to do it, dude.
1: But goddamn, dude, that was a drive.
0: Yeah, you're, like, jet lagged oh. and only, like, an hour over. You're like, what the oh. fuck just happened?
1: 36 hours straight of drive. Well, yeah, almost 30,
0: 36, straight. yeah. I drove L.A. to Denver in a day this summer after, like, my Yeah, that's trip. a long
1: fucking ways, too, dude. dude. That's, like, a good 20-something hours.
0: It was, like, it was like 17 and a half. Okay. It wasn't, but still, you know, just like solo by yourself in a car, Dude, and then your check know, engine light like comes so on, and, <sighs> and nothing happened from it, but it just stresses you out, you know. Like...
1: Dude, that was uh, from Drone Nationals. Jesse and I road trip down to Sacramento, and I actually ended up seizing or killing the engine in my car.
0: In the Rav or something older?
1: No, it was the car before that. It was a Suzuki SX four. Um I there was an oil leak that I didn't know about and like a hundred miles outside of Fort Collins uh uh one of the camshaft bearings slipped.
0: How the fuck do you deal with that?
1: Uh we pulled over and we called AAA and got it towed home.
0: And then just called it away for the car? And then it
1: sat in Jesse's driveway for like Or five months While I drove his little Honda Ruckus around And then it sat in My apartment's parking lot For another few months And then my dad flew out Bought a He bought a Old ass Ford Ranger For like 1800 bucks And then flat towed the car Home to Seattle uh, took out the engine, rebuilt the whole thing, fixed it, uh, and actually a few months ago, it just went back to Colorado, and now it's my little brother's car in Boulder, because he goes to see you. That's
0: so fucking crazy.
1: Dude, that, and my dad, dad still drives the fucking, he, like, bought that, because he was going to flat-toe it back and just, like, sell the Ranger, you know? Yeah. That was, like, two and a half years ago. That's so dumb. uh and he still has the ranger. Like I just drove it today. Was <laughs> <at> the garage <laughs> still fucking has it. Such a piece, dude. Yeah, you don't even so need the keys to start it now. You could just turn it on.
0: <laughs> that'd be my
1: nightmare. <laughs> is breaking out on a long road trip, dude. Yeah, it was well. Luckily, we were like already pretty close to home,
0: right? Yeah, and, definitely. But luckily. we also
1: put like three thousand miles on it in a week. Yeah, like with with no oil virtu- like yeah it was a shitty I should have checked the oil it was totally my fault But
0: yeah that was like I, I mean like I was checking the oil all the time after that but it was like I had oil coolant and duct tape and I read some things and I was like you can't fix it with those th- three things you're going to need a tow truck anyway
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly
0: fuck yeah man well we're coming up to two yeah. and a half
1: hours here yeah that was a ramble yeah, I mean, that's
0: the, the idea. That's how I keep it exciting for myself, mm-hmm. is making a ramble every week. Uh, any shout-outs for sponsors and whatnot?
1: Yeah, uh, I'll do my list. Uh, Hobbywing is my awesome sponsor. Uh, Azure is my second awesome sponsor. Uh, TBS is my third awesome sponsor. Uh, Fringe Team, TBS Fringe Team for life. Uh, that that just means we're sponsored by them, but there's no public recognition of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then who else sponsors me? Uh, Thunderpower. Pretty cool guys over there. I need to talk to them more often. Um, and then obviously go check out Project 399, which is my new company. Um, I should be having frames for sale next week. Right now it's literally just like a couple pictures.
0: When does that and, seven uh, inch drop
1: so well, okay, I got a question. Would you pay forty bucks for some seven inch arms? That's what? like an add-on
0: so I have to pay full price for a regular frame with five inch arms
1: so I'm shooting for like sixty to seventy bucks for the frame. I'm shooting for like seventy
0: and then four bucks forty bucks more for seven inch arms.
1: Uh, no, cause it would be offsetted by the cuts cause it'd be like minus 20 cause you wouldn't have the five inch arms. So it'd be, it'd be more like 80, $90.
0: I would totally pay that dude. Especially All like right. for me, a seven inch rig is like,
1: yeah, it's super, super niche. There's only like three dudes who would actually buy the frame.
0: Yeah. Super niche and something that I'm not going to be flying in a way that's going to be like jeopardizing it a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be, like, trying to power loop park benches and shit with that thing.
1: Dude, it would look rad doing it, though. That's for goddamn sure. It would totally
0: look rad, but I'm, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be paying 90 bucks a frame.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dude, but those arms aren't going to break. Like, it's, it's so fucking strong. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, those are my shout-outs. Um, and then I'm, I'm working on the other fun thing about owning a business is I'm doing, like, stickers and, like, Hats and like the merchandising side of it, um, which like I can't justify spending a hundred dollars on stickers for my personal self, yeah. But because it's a business now, even though it's still like my money, <laughs> there's some way I can justify it. So I
0: feel that's you. Fun. That's how I feel about like t-shirts and stickers and all that right shit. for
1: the Fly Life Co. Right? Yeah. You're like if it was your own money and you're buying a bunch of shirts, you'd be like, eh, it's hard. I'm not going to do it.
0: Yeah, and, you know, if you can sell them, you'll make your money back, so.
1: Right. That's, that's the other thing is, like, all the frames I've been just giving out to my friends. They're like, hey, you want me to buy it? I'm like, nah, man, here you go.
0: <laughs> I feel like that works out, though. Like, I gave out a yeah. lot of T-shirts and still. Yeah,
1: it comes around.
0: Yeah. For and, sure. you know, people, especially if, you know, like, not to say you should pick your friends off of influence, but, you know, like, Benson's a known <laughs> dude, you know. Right. Yeah. And uh, if you're in a certain circle of people and you share your shit, then it, you know, this ecosystem ain't big enough for all of us to be assholes.
1: Right. Yeah. And and hopefully people dig it. I I really hope people dig this frame, just because it's like it's the same thing, just I guess my version of it.
0: Yeah, dude. Dl champ version.
1: That's that's sort of the the we motto of that frame's gonna Sunday be Jordan Temkin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Weird, dude. Well, I appreciate you doing the podcast. It was super good catching up and uh, come out and visit Colorado. It it
1: honestly just felt like we were just chatting.
0: That's the idea. (laughs) Inception.
1: We should do this more sometime.
0: Yeah, dude. Uh, Do this more sometime, and then uh, I got to come out there and visit you sometime and hit up some of these mountain spots and go for a Subie run and/or Jeep Cherokee run.
1: Dude, spring. They'll yeah. they'll coming. The problem is I have no idea where the fuck to park it. Because mm. I live in the city, I just have like str- I have to just like own a bunch of cars and just kind of move them around once a week. Just
0: leave it <laughs> in the woods somewhere and then drive your Subi to go meet it.
1: <laughs> We're dude. Well, yeah, man. Enjoy the
0: rest of your week and weekend. It was good talking. Peace. Peace. <laughs>